Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. My guest this week is a marriage and family therapist, author, men's group leader, husband, father, grandfather, and elder, Ken Curry. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. I'm here for one reason. I'm going to talk about one thing. Your identity. Probably the most important question a man can ask in his life is, who am I? But you'll never be able to answer that question unless you answer this question. Who is telling my story? You see, everybody, everybody in your life, your entire life, has been telling you who you are, has been telling a certain narrative about who you are, about what life is all about, and you've believed them. And you're here for one purpose as well. You've invested your time, your money, to be able to have the hope that you can walk away from this weekend with a little more strength and a little more confidence. But you will never find your confidence if somebody else is telling your story. For me, I've lived pretty much my whole life with pretty much no confidence. I've been listening to what everybody else has said. I live what I call an externally referenced life, where I'm more concerned about what other people thought of me, living for approval, trying to make other people happy, living up to their expectations. I didn't have a really good solid sense of my own identity, and I lived the externally referenced life. One of the, one of the stories that my wife and I laugh about is, and this is gonna date me for sure, is that back, uh, I was a young man in my 30s, and I would be absolutely fearful of going into a video store and picking out a video. I would be more concerned with what the girl behind the counter would think of me and think about what the video that I picked than finding a video that I liked and thought would be entertaining. So I'd be in a video store and I'd be stuck and I couldn't even move. Or my wife would send me to the grocery store and I would, uh, she'd send me for tortillas or uh, um, uh, spaghetti sauce or something like that. And I'd go to the grocery store and I'd be frozen, absolutely frozen. Do I get corn or do I get flour? Do I get a dozen or two dozen? Do I get the sauce with the sausage? 
or the mushroom. I couldn't figure out what to get because I had to get it right. I had to figure it out. I couldn't get it wrong and I couldn't disappoint. I was so much more concerned about what she thought of me than about actually getting it right or doing something that I wanted. I had an externally referenced life. So the question is, is who is telling our story? Who's told our story our entire lives? Let's start with our family of origin. Your family of origin is where you start. Now here's what I want you to see. It's a system that's been there way before you even existed. And all of a sudden you pop out of your mother's womb into this system and there you are. And now, since you're part of this group, they start telling your story. They tell you about what life is all about. They tell you what men are all about. They tell, tell you who you are. They, they assign you a certain role or tell you certain rules that you have to follow and you start to believe them. This is the place that gets really tough because a lot of guys, they'll be in a family and they, they have to figure out how do I do this and get it right? Because there's a lot of families out there that'll tell you you have to be perfect or you can't be a burden or you can't have wants or needs or, or whatever. I mean, we all know this. We all have our little uh, thing that we got going on. But the whole idea, let's take the whole idea of being perfect and getting it right. Guess what, you're human and you're a kid. You haven't figured it out. You don't know what's going on, but yet you have to be able to get it right and you make mistakes. And so here you are, you're going, I'm not perfect. I've been told I have to be perfect, but I'm not. And so that's where the roots of I'm not good enough or something's wrong with me begins to take hold inside of you. And then the next thing is school. Third graders are brilliant with this. I don't think anybody, any one of us escaped third grade without some kind of scars. It's pretty significant. Third graders are brilliant. Um, a couple of my friends, one of my friends, uh, a kid in the third grade uh, was messing with him and he goes, hey, Nostradamus. I mean, pretty brilliant kid. I figured out who Nostradamus was, made a joke out of it. But my friend, every time that he looks at a mirror, he thinks, gosh, how's my nose? I mean, we're talking as an adult man and some kid in the third grade said this. I wonder what's wrong with my nose. Or my other friend, brilliant. It's like Mensa level brilliant. Third grade kid. Uh, the teacher goes, uh, all right, here's the test, everybody. Um, when, you, when you finish your test, go ahead and then uh, turn it in when you're done. And, uh, and so my friend, smart kid, he rocks it, man. He just kills it takes it up, a couple minutes later, boom, on the teacher's desk, he's getting ready to turn around, and this kid at the front row says, you're not that smart. He goes ahead and sits down. Guess what he's done his entire life? Through high school, through college, and even as an adult man, it's like he would take a test, and he would never, he would sit in the back and wait for everybody else put their tests up and then he would turn his in because he's going, am I that smart? And he was all, even though he's brilliant, he's questioning his intelligence. Teachers, you know, you're never going to figure this out. 
or you're never going to make it, or let's see, what's a famous one? Uh, kind of, uh, I can't even think of it. But the whole idea of you're you're not gonna you're not gonna make it in life, something like that. We get these messages, and coaches will say something like "you're a pussy" or something like that, and it sticks to us. These are the people that are telling our story. For all its many uses, the internet is terrible at one thing. Silence. In person, in a room of men, when someone says something particularly poignant, insightful, or true, the whole room goes silent. All the listeners know something important has transpired. The silence serves different functions. First, speechlessness, as in, what do I say in response to that? Second, conviction, as in, yes, that's me, and wrestling with that knowledge. Third is respect as in something nameless and profound has visited us. Let's let it depart the room in its own time. We live for moments like this, and on the internet, they're impossible. If you say something in a text chat and no one responds, the silence cannot echo. It's empty, and the speaker's mind is likely to fill the vacuum with doubt or fear, even if the audience means honor. And if you say something on Zoom and get silence in response, the speaker could easily ask the question, did anybody hear me? Somehow even a telephone call captures these moments better, and I can't say why. I don't think it's too old-fashioned to say that in the internet era, I'd still rather fall in love on the phone than FaceTime. Because for all the voluminous words that flow when a man and woman are beginning to get close, silence matters so much in that process too. And the internet cannot capture it which presented a problem when writing this introduction, because my first response to what you're about to hear was silence. Which brings me to my guest this week. His name is Ken Curry, and he's a husband, father, grandfather, author, men's group leader, and marriage and family therapist in Colorado. I also consider Ken an elder, and that's another word that should inspire silence, though today it often doesn't. An elder is a man who hasn't just lived a lot of life experiences, but who has metabolized them and made meaning of them. He's turned victories and defeats to wisdom, and to paraphrase the beautiful words of the poet Khalil Gibran, he's allowed struggle to carve grooves in his soul that life fills with the reins of joy. Ken is also a Christian, a devout believer who incorporates faith into his broad and deep perspective, or perhaps his perspective is built around it, which makes him fantastically rare in the men's movement, Christianity, and as an American man of his generation. If you've listened to my podcast before, you might imagine I had high expectations for this episode. They were all exceeded, and you'll hear it. Now, insert silence. In our conversation, we discussed masculine presence and voice, becoming an internally referenced man, sin, justice, grace, mercy, redemption, and reconciliation the definition of hell, the difference between what moves in us and what is unmoved, and the distorted message of original sin. Some men will feel blessed by this conversation. Others will be challenged. A few might even be upset. And to that I say, good. Because this is not your standard Manosphere dialogue. It has been a long time since the men's movement has been here, but I believe this is where we're going. And more importantly, this is where we need to go. 
thank you for coming along. This episode is sponsored by my 12-week men's renaissance coaching. There is more in you, and I want to help you discover it for yourself, for your community, for your family, and for the glory of God who made you. Keep listening to find out more or email info at renofmen.com to schedule a free 30-minute consultation. And if you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. You can help by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, a rating on Spotify, and to hit the subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Men, or subscribe to my mailing list by visiting my website at renofmen.com newsletter. I'm grateful for every member and listener of the Renaissance community, and let's make this into a force to be reckoned with. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, the author, leader, and elder, Ken Curry. Hey, Ken, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, you bet, Will. Glad to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you and I have talked a bit, and uh, I know that there are so many different subjects that we can cover, so many different directions we can go with this, and um, I'm excited to see where this goes. It's, it's always the best way to start a conversation, to know like, wow, there are all these subjects I want to cover. Where are we going to go with it? Well, let's find out. So um, thanks for spending the afternoon with me, and uh, let's, get this, let's get this going. Sounds really good. Sounds great. So yeah, where do you want to start with this whole thing? I, th- I think where I'd like to start is I'm, I'm always very interested uh, in your, th- your therapist and you work with men mm-hmm. and uh, you have a men's group and you have your solid brotherhood. And I'm always very interested because I have my own story with this. I'm very interested why, uh, how a man gets to the point where he wants to work with men specifically. Like you must have seen things over your lifetime or seen things developing, you know, in culture, but you know, what sort of brought you to this particular moment and, and got you interested in working with men in the first place? Because I remember encountering, you know, your solid man brotherhood stuff. It would have been years ago. I don't remember when. Um, so, so let's just start there. Yeah, let's see. Maybe I'll do a little bit of uh, just introduction. Yeah, that works. So you're, you're mentioning the solid man stuff. That's a, that's a big part of what I do. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. That's the LMFT mm-hmm. here in Colorado. And I've been doing that for, gosh, about 15 years, maybe. That's mm-hmm. kind of my last iteration in my career. And uh, um, and so, gosh, I've been, uh, hasn't been just that amount of time that I've been uh, interested in men's work. I mean, this mm-hmm. goes back from the beginning of my life, really. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, uh, I think it's more of a journey of who I am as a man. Yep. Um, what is a man? You know, I've, I've entered into this world and it's like there's a million different stories about what a man is and who am I? And, and I got all the stories coming at me and, and being able to uh, determine or distinguish, you know, what a man is, who am I? Um, and so a lot of my whole, a lot of my work is really just my own personal journey of discovery and being able to find out, you know, what a man is. Mm-hmm. And so my story goes way back. Um, back to uh, the 80s when Promise Keepers started. Actually, it was probably before that. There was a, a lot of things that I really uh, wanted to learn about uh, my identity and about marriage and about who I was and, and men. So I did a lot of reading. But I think probably the biggest thing was the, the Promise Keepers movement that happened here in Colorado and mm-hmm. happened with Coach Bill McCartney. And it was a really huge thing. And it was kind of a, what do you call it? A, um, where it just kind of uh, happened with with the culture of the Colorado Buffaloes, the football team there, 
Um, and then it just really moved to the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a movement to really think about what, what is a man, what is a father, how does a husband operate, how do we be fathers, how, what's the role of a man. And so it, that was one thing that really kind of uh, stimulated a lot in me. Mm-hmm. And that was about the same time. It's really interesting how there was kind of, I think, the little peak of, of something, a massive movement with men, but it was little at that time. Um, you know, you had the Promise Keeper stuff, you had Iron John, you had, yep. you know, the Fire in the Belly and, and a lot of uh, different things. The, the Magician Warrior King Lover book, all those came out in the early 90s mm-hmm. and the late Wild 80s. All this, yeah, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart came about 10, 10 years later. Oh, okay. And, uh, but at Wild at Heart and John Eldridge's work definitely was really influential for me as well. Mm-hmm. And so, it was, it's just been a long journey for me just to kind of determine, you know, the question, what is a man? Because right. that's the question, who am I? Yes. And, and there's so many different voices, so many things that were, they were pushing to, to, to teach me what I am and what a man is, that it was just really an interesting journey for me myself. And then, um, I had an opportunity, well, I've always been, um, uh, really passionate about relationships, and that's mm-hmm. why I actually got the license. I got my uh, my graduate degree in, in uh, counseling. Mm. Um, I got a postgraduate degree in uh, uh, marriage and family, and then eventually my license um, because I was really, really passionate about the whole idea of of relationship. Mm-hmm. And so the question then became, who is a man in relationship? And so that very personal re- uh, question. Um, and so that's really been, I guess that's kind of a, a, the umbrella of the, of the journey that I've been on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really fun because, uh, learning who I am in relationship yesterday, no, yesterday, no, Thursday. So it's two days ago, I had my 38th anniversary. Oh, so I've been married 38 years. Thank you very much. I know a lot of guys are like, Hey, that's not a small thing in our culture today. No, it's not. And I agree because we've had our ups and downs. It's been a journey. Sure. But it's been so amazing to be able to grow with one woman, to be able to, um, you know, grow, go through all the seasons. We still have many seasons to go yet. Right. But the whole thing of, uh, of learning who I am and everything, um, one of my favorite quotes, I forget who, it's a theologian that actually said it, I forget who said it, but he said something like, my, my wife has been married to five different men. Yes. That's a great And quote. they're all, then they're all me. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yes. And it's like I think of the little punk that I was little. I'm not little. You know, I'm a yeah, a large a, human you're being. You're a large, you're a large, <laughs> large human. Yes. <laughs> so, but I'm, I was a little punk when I was 23 when I got married, and it's like wow. I just I look at it and I go, man, who the heck was I? I can't believe that that we actually and we immediately a year and a half later after we got married, we started having kids and everything. And so learning about being a dad and all this, and it's just been an incredible journey with my wife, Colleen, just to be able to uh, move through all those seasons. And now we're in empty nest and have a grandson trying to um, just learn where we're going on this life. It's been a great journey. So I hope that answers the question. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole mosaic. First of all, congratulations on your anniversary. And that's a really beautiful and moving story because it's not one that men get to hear very often. It's like we've been married for almost 40 years, kids, grandkids. We married, you guys married young, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then for you 
to be able to reflect the different seasons of life that you've lived through as a husband, as a father. You know, we, we don't often get to hear that. Like one of the things that I observe in the men's movement is that we're kind of starved for elders, mm -hmm. right? Like there are a lot of, you know, young, fit, awesome guys, you know, a lot of like slightly older, like 30s, 40s kind of guys just getting into fatherhood, <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's great. And those are all stages of life. But uh, one of the things that I notice is missing is like men in the later seasons of life being able to reflect back from a position of wisdom on the totality of a journey. And I think men need that. I think men in the middle stages of life need that. And I think men, especially younger men in their early 20s and teens now, need that as well. And so to hear you reflect that, that journey is like, oh, men need to hear this. Like, that's a thing. Because I would imagine many of these men don't have fathers and mothers that are still married. They come from mm -hmm. broken homes or maybe they're not, mm -hmm. maybe who knows what's going on there. So, um, I mean, so that's a vital story that I think men that I know that I needed to hear. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, gosh, it's, how do I, how do I say this? The vital story, the, the, the whole thing of being moving from a young man to an older man. One of yeah. the things that's really important is, is considering what the, what does age do to a man? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the manosphere is about power. It's about buffness. It's about strength. And that's not a, that's not a small thing. No, it's a big you know, deal. Lifting and, and strength and, and physicality and being able to protect and uh, all those things. That's a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that's the, that's the strength and yeah. the power that rests in a young man. Mm -hmm. But as we grow older, as we get, um, there's so many things that happen to you. Gosh, in my life, I, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a stroke yeah. survivor. I'm, you know, I've got a ton of different things going on where I'm trying to really build my physicality so that I can live my last few years doing really well. Yeah. But the thing that happens is like when I was young, man, I could slam a basketball. Oh, wow. I don't even know if I can touch the rim anymore. Wow. Here I am. I, I can imagine I'm, that. Of, <laughs> air curry. <laughs> There's no air anymore. It's something else. <laughs> Earth curry. Well, here's the thing. So I used to play basketball all the time. This morning, my wife and I played pickleball. So okay. it's, like, it's like a different, it's a different world. So different. It's different. It's fine. It's different, but I'm out there moving and yeah. it's fun to just, I'm 61, but I'm out there playing with 80 year olds and I'm going, you guys are freaking awesome. Just yeah. being out here playing a really fun little game, but getting our bodies out there and moving. It's, yeah. a, it's a really, really big thing. But the thing that I want to be able to say about that is and this is something that a lot of us miss is the whole idea that moving from physicality of our power to our wisdom yes. or our voice being our power mm -hmm. and i think you know as our body begins to degrade like i said i can't stuff a basketball but i can still do a lot of different things sure um i got a pretty strong body i was given a great body and the thing about it is is that my body i'm not able to do as much as i can and I really have to watch out now because mm -hmm. I can't do a lot of different things. I can't push it a little harder because sure. if I do, if I mess some stuff up, it takes a lot longer to heal. Yeah. And so, but, so physicality isn't necessarily my strength or the, the core of my power mm -hmm. as an older man. And I think what you're talking about is we need men who are older, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. Yes. Men who have gone through life, men who are able to speak wisdom to the younger men, and we don't have enough of that. Um, it's it's yeah. really, really rare. It is. And so being able to have men who are older and speaking into your life, 
man, if you can find a mentor that's older and being able to have that man be able to coach you and mentor you and, and, and walk along life with you, man, there's nothing, nothing better. Yes. Um, because that man has gone through life. He knows the rough curves that happen as you, as you move through life. Um, he's able to share a lot of things about how you can get through different experiences mm-hmm. and what life is all about. And really when it comes down to it, where is meaning found as you're going through life? So mm-hmm. I think what you're talking about is definitely a very big passion of mine as I old, as I old, as I age. <laughs> Too old, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a new verb. A new Too verb. old. <laughs> so as I age, it's like, man, what am I doing? Here I am, sixty, and so you know, Will, that uh, my dad uh, turned ninety in March and he passed away on Memorial Day, and he mm-hmm. was ninety. Mm-hmm. So here I am, sixty, and he's he was done at ninety, and he li- lived a good long life. Um, and the thing is, so I, I kind of think of it, I got 30 years. What would I do? And how do I have power in those last 30 years? Power, more being influence yes. and more being able to really give something that's really significant to the world. Mm-hmm. And Amen. especially my family, you know, um, that's a big part of what I want to spend my time doing, but for other men as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, amen to that, because I think, I think the reason why um, the, these things aren't, aren't talked about is that, um, as you said, men get really hung up on these material, physical versions of power, right? Mm-hmm. Power is expressed in my body. Power is expressed. Um, power is also expressed through, um, through money, you know, and, yeah, and, and making, and, yeah, making money. It's expressed through getting laid. It's yep. expressed through being attractive to women, all these different things that you hear in the manosphere for yes. sure. But there's a, I think those, those are really limited expressions of power. I, I think mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't make, paint a complete picture. That, that yeah, the, the other, yeah, the other yeah. one, the lifters, the guys that, you know, I, I have the, what is it, the 800 or whatever, where my bench press, my, you know, all the different lifts that <laughs> yeah. I do. And I have this really massive number. Yeah. And like I said, that's not a small thing. It's a wonderful thing to be strong. Mm-hmm. It is. But like you said, it's a limited view of what we do as men and where our power really rests. And and I I kind of, the word I use, it's not necessarily our muscles, it's my voice. That my my voice and my presence, those two things, voice and presence are the place where my power really, my true ultimate power really rests. And I, 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 I say that to men, um, well, just real quick, and, and I think this is, it's really, um, it's frightening for men who only have a limited conception of power to think about mm-hmm. old age, because you won't be able to put up the big numbers in the bench press forever, Mm-mm. right? You, you, you won't. No, you you're going to screw up your shoulder and you're going to have arthritis here and there. And yeah, yeah, totally. But, and, if, but, and so if you think that you're going to lose all of your power when you hit a certain age, you're going to spend your whole life in avoidance of the reality that you can be lucky and live to 80 or 90 years old that, 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 that we should all be blessed to live that long. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but so many men, they don't want to think past 45 or they don't want to think past 50. It scares them because they don't have a conception of power past that point. But you said something. Um, I'm really glad that you got to it because this is one of my favorite things that I've heard you say about the voice. And I want to get to that in a second, but I've observed that there are two things that can stop an army full of young young soldiers full of young men one is a beautiful woman you take you take the brave heart no you take the brave <laughs> no, heart lineup you. of guys yeah. right the brave they're all charged up faces painted ready to charge across the battlefield 
and you take a beautiful woman and you just walk her across the battlefield and you watch all the guys go, and you just watch them shut down. And the other thing is you can take an older man, even with a cane or whatever, just, you know, like walking across the battlefield and one word can stop that entire army. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's power. Those are both expressions of power that you can't find on the on the bench press that you can't find in the squat rack. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with the bench press or the squat rack, but there's more to power than that. So I want to talk, talk, please talk about the voice because I'm so glad. Oh, yeah. 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 So so you're mentioning Braveheart, you know, the 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 um, I forget what the battle was where he speaks and Mm -hmm. and he 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 raises the passion. Yeah. And it's the same thing as uh, King Theoden in The Lord of the Rings. You know, before they go into the what yeah. is it, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields or whatever yes. that is, yes, yes, and and uh, and his speech and yeah. it raises all the passion. Mm-hmm. And um, you think about Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. Doctor Martin Luther King Jr., yes, um, and his speeches. And you think of Abraham Lincoln and his speeches. The Gettysburg's Gettysburg's can't even say it. Getty, Gettysburg, Gettysburg address. address. <laughs> you know, the whole thing of uh, there's the ways that men have used their voices. And I'm not saying that women are not powerful with voice as well, equally as powerful. But I think this is the thing that men don't recognize that this is a really, really significant place of power. And I think whether it's stopping an entire battlefield or just being able to, in a, in a conversation, where things aren't going where you want it to go, just to say the word, no, Mm -hmm. this is not okay with me. Yeah. Right. Just being able to say something and having that firmness, having that strength, having the ability to be able to communicate very clearly and set a boundary. Um, And it's just that power of, of being able to say no is a really significant thing or even yes Mm -hmm. in smile and let's do this. Yeah. You know, could be equally as powerful. I'm just saying, that in any given moment, it's like, um, man, that is a really significant thing. Being able to speak from an internal place about what I believe and about what is right and what is meaningful and what is here. Because mm-hmm. that's the most important thing that a man has. And that kind of goes back to the whole idea of presence is I am here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you said that, you gestured to, you know, for people who are just listening to the mm-hmm. audio, you gesture to kind of like your head and your heart and your sternum mm-hmm. kind of area. When you said like, it's here, what did you mean by, by it's here? But what was that? <laughs> That's a great question. So, so the, so what the I thing do. about it, <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah. So the thing about this is the whole, um, a lot of my, my journey has been coming to the place where, um, understanding what I am, who I am. Mm-hmm. And I have so many different resources to be able to build on or to be able to listen to, or to be able to, that's going to guide me toward wisdom as I live. I do have my mind. It's a good mind. I have my body. It's a good body. Mm -hmm. I have my spirit. I have my soul. I have all the things that are strength within me. I always go back to when Jesus talked about, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. I like those four categories. Um, And that's all the internal categories that I have. Mm-hmm. I am a man that has heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so who am I in here? And these are my internal resources, my heart. I call that the things inside of me that are moved, the, my emotion, my intuition, mm-hmm. uh, my spirit, my passion. Those are the things that are moved within me. That's my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and listening to those things and being aware of those things is a really powerful part of living well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I call my soul are those things that are not moved. Uh, my my uh, identity, my integrity, my values, um, my uh, um, my commitments. You know, those are the things that are that are not moved within me. They're solid. They're not going to move. My character is my character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the soul. My mind is that which notices everything going on. And this is the thing. The, the, um, this, this might be a little sidebar that we could go on. But go for it. We're going off road. Here we go. Western, Western thinking is all about the mind. Mm-hmm. And so you'll hear a lot of things. You think about it. Everything we do is about the mind. School yeah. is all about teaching. It's about a cognitive download. Even mm-hmm. if you go to church, what's the center of a church building? It's the pulpit. And mm-hmm. from the pulpit is a cognitive download. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily experience or it's not necessarily the heart or even the spirit, unfortunately. Right. It's more of a cognitive download. And this is our Western world. Our mm-hmm. Western world is all this. Very and much. so even in the manosphere, you'll hear things about your mental point of origin. Well, <laughs> that's one thing. That's yeah. your mental point of origin, and which is a really good start, but you're missing out on everything else. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're missing out on your heart, your soul. And the third, the other part of this is your strength. And so the strength, so like that's my body, that's my influence, that's my sexuality. I put sexuality mm-hmm. in the area of strength. Sure. Um, be. It's my ability to do things. It's my capabilities. It's my ability to protect. There's mm-hmm. so many different categories of my strength. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it's my voice, my presence, like I was saying, those are really significant parts of who I am and my strength that I have to offer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think this is in line with what you asked. Oh, cause I did this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what I, what I'm saying is, is that becoming an internally referenced human being is a really powerful goal as we move forward, becoming the best versions of who we are mm-hmm. or living in a really significant amount of health, um, emotional health, relational health, physical health is all about listening to all the resources that I have within me. But most people are blocked off from this. They're, yes. It's like they are cut off from themselves. Mm-hmm. They might be stuck in their head. They might, whatever it is, they might not listen to my body because my body's gone through some kind of trauma or something like that. Yeah. But there's so many different things. Or we've been trained to only listen to our head. Mm-hmm. And I've not been trained. I mean, how many of us have actually been trained and told or taught anything that's reasonable about how to listen to your emotions? Nobody. In life, no, unless you pursue it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a few few books out there that kind of talk about it, but Mm -hmm. it's like nobody teaches about how to really listen to the fullness of who you are. Yeah. Even when I said your soul, those things that don't move, who are you? What's your identity? That's something. Bam. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. My values. Boom. These are the things that I hold dear. You know, those are the things that just don't move. And but those are my resources. And those are the things that are going to guide me as I make a decision. When I choose to do something, when I have a day like like this morning, my wife and I wake up. Man, this is one of the first Saturday mornings we've had where we don't have anything else. I go up. I have will this afternoon. And so we go, let's go play some pickleball. We have these nice. courts that just opened up near our house. So we rode our bikes over there and had a great time. Mm-hmm. Came back. Let's do our gardening. We love gardening. Mm-hmm. And so we spent a number of hours in our garden doing a pretty big project. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's what we wanted to do. But why did we want to do it? Because this is my passion. Right. This is the thing that I wanted to do. This is what we wanted to do as a couple. And we did everything this morning together. And so anyway, I think what you're asking is when I said this, there, it is not a small thing, Will. No. The other thing I'll say is the, the whole thing, small thing that we have so many, so much going on inside of us. But back to the point where most people live an externally referenced life rather than an internally referenced life, life listening to all this, we have an externally referenced life where our, our point of origin, our point of reference is outside of us. Mm-hmm. What does everybody else expect? What does culture want for me, for me to do? What do I need to do in order to be acceptable? Um, what do I need to do in order to fit in? Um, what's going to make everybody else happy? What's going to make everybody else like me? Yep. I mean, those are the what's questions. What's going to get me status? It, whether, yeah, status is a real, that's exactly what status is. Mm-hmm. And so then I will do all these things or I will pursue all these things or I will consume all these things in order to be acceptable. And I'm doing all this stuff that's outside of me. And so that's an external point of reference. And it is shocking to me how many people live almost exclusively from an external point of reference. And so my work will, that, excuse me. This is a really good thing that we're kind of talking about this because this is at the very center of my work. My work with men is how do I move a man from an external point of reference to an internal point of reference where he's beginning to listen to the wisdom that's found within himself so that he can choose and move in a direction that's going to be a life of thriving. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way you can do it. You will never thrive if you're listening to what everybody else says to do. Yes. Yes. So there you go. Well, because everyone else, no, that's, this is beautiful. And I'm glad we're going to get a chance to dive into this because everyone else now, there are so many messages telling us who and what we should be as men. <laughs> as you said, you know, it started with the promise keepers, like asking, who am I as a man? And, and, mm-hmm. and well, who gets to answer that question? Are you going to ask someone else? Like, who am I as a man? And that person will, will tell you, culture will tell you, your, your, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. feminism your parents, will tell you. Your family of origin, yeah. your church, your school, everybody, everybody's willing to tell you. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're not compatible. And so if you spend all your, and maybe this is the root of the whole nice guys, you spend all your time trying mm-hmm. to be what these different sources telling you, are telling you to be, you never actually become internally referenced. And I, and I appreciate, by the way, just as an aside, the heart as the things inside me that are moved and the soul as the things inside me that are not moved. Like if <laughs> I almost just want to be like, God, I'll be, go, I'll be, I gotta go think about that for a few minutes. I'll be back. No, but I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to be saying that was what a gift. Thank you for that. It was beautiful, uh-huh. beautiful. And so, and so I guess uh, the, one of the limitations that I always see uh, in the manosphere is it does guide men to this mental point of origin, mental point of origin, mm-hmm. become what you can be in your body, become what you can be in your mind. But the manosphere starts to get very uncomfortable once you start talking about emotions and you start talking mm-hmm. about soul. It, it's like, it won't, it will or not spirit. go. Or spirit. Exactly. Yep. And, and, and mm-hmm. this is, this is, um, this is something that I try to do with the Renaissance. And so let's start talking. I want to talk a little bit about, um, about what you said about, about internally referenced in terms of your emotions, in terms of your soul, in terms of your spirit, like let's talk about that because there are even fewer sources for men to be able to talk about this while also understanding that strength of body and strength of mind need to live in balance with these things. Because mm-hmm. there's a whole section of the men's movement as a whole that, uh, that will deal with being emotionally moved, that will do with spirit and soul, deal with these things. 
but it won't talk about strength and mind and body. It will not, right? And so I see this, this profound split as being helpful to different kinds of men in different ways. Like some men are more comfortable being around other men in a context of sharing emotionally. And I think that's a good thing. And then there are some men that are more comfortable being around uh, uh, men in a spirit of performance and activity. And I think that's a good thing. But the overall divide between these two kinds of men needs to be healed. We need to mm. figure out how to be both physically capable and emotionally fluent to be a whole and integrated mm. man. So, mm -hmm. so I appreciate you bringing this up because this is something that, mm. I, that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, I'm wondering the, um, gosh, emotionally fluent, and what did you say physically? Capable. Capable. Um, yeah, because it's, it's more than emotional emotional fluency yeah i was trying to pick one word to capture yeah, no, the no, that, totality that's the, of it yeah no i think it's it's spot on um i'm just because when i'm talking about it, it the the fullness of who i am as a human being is so much more than my physical body and strength here and mm -hmm. my emotions because my emotions are stinking powerful and yeah. and and they they are incredible sources of really really good information absolutely as those things flow through me that e the emotion the energy Energy in motion yeah you know i always it's joke power. about the it is it is it's really a significant part of us and i always joke that uh um it's uh emotion motion like a movement you know when my my grandmother was a nurse and whenever she'd take care of me she'd go kenneth have you had a bm today you know, and like a, like, that's like a thing. You're the I, second person to mention somebody this week. It's like, oh, just just go have a squat. It's like, it's like I had yeah. no idea as a kid. I had she was a nurse. She that's her language. I yeah. had no idea what a BM was, but sure. bowel movement, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it's the same thing. You can become completely emotionally constipated, where yes. you, it just locks in, and it is a horrible thing. And there's a because it's energy. And it's, if it's locked in without motion, man, you get a ton of physical manifestations. People get hair loss, grinding teeth, back pain, yeah. IBS, acid reflux, all kinds of crap. Mm -hmm. It's just nuts because Skin we're pushing all our, we're not dealing with our emotions. We're not yes. talking about it. Yes. We're not exploring it. What is this as information to me? And that's what I'm saying. The whole thing of being, this is a resource to me to teach me really good information about what I need and want in my life. Mm -hmm. That's what emotions do. And so I, I'm not sure this is answering your question, but the whole it's idea okay. of, of what men do with our emotions, we're like, that's a weak part of us. That's a weak thing. That's a feminine thing. Well, that's a biggest pile of bullshit. It's crap. It's like, it's like a men are human. Humans are emotional. Yes. And and I, I actually think this is also part of being made and created in the image of God. Praise God. God is an incredibly emotional individual. Yeah. There's so many things <laughs> out there. Yes. And so as that the in the Bible that speak about his emotional process, all the way from love to wrath. I mean, it's just like it's huge. <sighs> and so Thanks. our emotions as humans, men are equally as emotional as women. We just do emotion in a totally different way. Completely differently. Yes, yep. absolutely. Thank you. And I agree. And I agree. Like, I, I remember, you know, because I, I spent a lot of time in the mythopoetic men's movement and, mm -hmm. you know, Carl Jung, I think, uh, maybe influences some of that as well, although I don't know if this is his phrase specifically, but it's like, you know, men, your feminine side. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, that gets talked about. And and I remember, I think it was Jack Donovan. I think it was Jack who mm-hmm. said, you don't have a feminine side. Yeah, I know. And I yep. remember hearing that. And I'm like, I'm going to try that for a while. It's like, you know mm-hmm. what? And I've been really getting into that. It's like, no, men don't have a feminine side. You experience emotions as a man. And, yep. I, and I don't want to just give emotions wholesale to women because, because what does that do to us to begin to say, well, there's this feminine part of myself I have to relate to. It completely changes the, I guess you might say, the character of our emotions. Like, no, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I live and think and feel as a man. And I relate to my That's emotions right. as a man. And so much in the men's work, or I guess maybe, maybe also therapy side, treats women relating to their emotions as normative and doesn't know how to, it seems to me, and doesn't seem to know how to teach men how to relate to their emotions as men. And so on Instagram, right. a lot of us are having that discussion right now. How can men relate to their emotions as men without being yeah. in a feminine way of understanding it? Yeah, and I think that um, um, I hope this is really answering the question you asked earlier. That's but the the thing about it. it okay, because <laughs> we're going, we're talking about emotion now, and the, and the whole <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, is fine. If if you take emotion, and the the first thing I would just say that that's really important is that it's just information. Mm. It's just good, solid information about my well being, and my well being is just how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If I'm angry, guess where my well being is? It's in the tank. Yeah. If I'm happy, guess where my well-being is? It's mm-hmm. going pretty good. If I'm excited or I'm anticipating or it's way up here. If I'm feeling passionate, I'm feeling love, it's up here. Mm-hmm. Those are my emotions. Those are more positive emotions, right? But the whole thing, if I feel belittled, if I feel disrespected, if I feel, you know, um, what would be another good, an alone or lonely, Ashamed. you know, my, my well-being is low. Yeah. And let's say I'm alone or I feel, I feel alone or lonely. Well, what's that saying? That's all that's saying is it's telling me I need a hug or I need to go hang out with a friend or mm-hmm. I need to go, you know, talk, call somebody and just connect with somebody. That's all it's saying. And, and I feel this emotion. Emotion only tells you something that you need. And if you're responsible for yourself, I'll go do that thing and take care of myself. Mm, I'll get okay. a hug. And once I get a hug, guess what? I don't feel as lonely. <laughs> Or with my anger, let's say I feel disrespected. If I talk to that person, you know, this is not okay that you treat me this way. Mm-hmm. I would rather be treated this way. And you collaborate with that person about treating you with more respect. Guess what happens to your well-being? And guess what happens to your anger? It goes out the window because I've actually been responsible to take care of what I needed. That's what it is. And so being able to think about all this stuff that's in me is just really good information that helps me to learn about how to move, how to live, uh, how to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're kind of asking the question, the whole thing of, you know, there's part of the whole manosphere that kind of is, you know, the um, would I guess that the question you had is how do we move the divide or how do we how do we bring the divide together? where men are living in a more, and I think the word maybe that you're talking about is living in a more integrated fashion. Yeah, that's a good word. Right? Yeah. And, and so, and because if we're just living in a way that, you know, my power is in my muscles, my power is in my influence over women, my power is whatever, you know, my power is in my capability to earn money. Yeah, bank account. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, if that's mm-hmm. what it is, but rather, and, and I'm not saying those things are not good. No, those are great. Um, but the thing is, bring in my power is also in my ability to have self-control or my ability to, to maintain my frame. 
to be able to know who I am and have a strong sense of identity, to be mm-hmm. able to defeat shame in my life, Amen. shame that says you're a piece of shit or something's wrong with you, mm-hmm. and to be able to go, no, that's not true. I'm actually mm-hmm. a really good human being. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I said earlier, I have a good mind. Mm. Um, that's actually one of the things that I've had to develop in my life because growing up with my father, something about how my father communicated to me made me feel stupid. Mm. My dad was an incredibly competent individual when it came to mechanics and doing things like that. And I didn't have that gift. Mm -hmm. So I'd try to do things and fix things and all this. And, and I felt stupid because of the way that he would react to me. So as a youngster in my family of origin, I thought I was stupid, but guess what? Here I am. And you think about it in the years that I described earlier, I got my undergraduate degree. I got a graduate degree. I got a postgraduate certificate in marriage and family, all this stuff. Guess what? Mm -hmm. Does a guy who does that, is he stupid? And it's like, but I believed I was, that's what's crazy. That's what shame does to you. Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea of shame and the word that really embodied shame for me, there's two words, but the first one was I felt stupid, right? Mm -hmm. So it really took a long, that was part of my own journey of breaking free from shame, being able to say, Ken, you got a good mind. Mm. And you know what? I got a good mind. I'm not the smartest man in the world. Not usually the smartest man in the room. Might not be here either. And, uh, but I got a good mind, right? (laughs) Yes, I think you do. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's the whole thing of being able to break free from a lot of those uh, narratives and stories and and all that, that I've been told about who I am. Um, And gosh, now what are are we talking about? I just jumped into shame and all this. We're (laughs) off-roading, like just just driving through the forest of conversation. (laughs) There's a main road out there, so we'll find it. So that whole thing of just uh, clarifying and becoming a, having a strong sense of identity is a, and that's again, part of this whole thing. That was one of the categories that I had under the idea of soul that Mm -hmm. which doesn't, isn't moved. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of breaking free from shame. um, Gosh, my, my favorite quote was uh, this goes, this is John Bradshaw from back in the eighties. John Bradshaw is great. Healing the shame that binds you. Dude, man, that, that book is so classic. And the one line that he has in there is um it's about um mistake um Mm -hmm. guilt is i made a mistake shame is i am a mistake yes right like if if i if i if i have a failure or i am a failure Mm -hmm. right and so when i say i am so so making a mistake is about my behavior yeah i am a mistake is about my identity Mm -hmm. and so being able to live live life and go i make mistakes i make mistakes that's okay. I make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. But if I classify it or I move it into my head, I am a mistake or I am a failure where that thing defines me, then that's a massive problem. That's a huge problem that yeah. so many people wrestle with, with the idea of, of toxic shame. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of toxic shame is that something's deeply wrong with me, flawed with me, broken with me. And not until I'm able to stand and go, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I still sin. I still make mistakes. You know, I'm definitely that whole idea of that. And that's what I think is, uh, some people call it the healthy shame. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that the idea of I'm, I'm limited. I'm yeah. not perfect. I'm just that. Um, I think that's a really, that I call it humility. It's yes. just being in a humble state. I'm not perfect. I'm, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I think that's a really significant thing to get to in my identity, where I have a good mind, not the smartest guy, but I have a good mind. Um, I have really good capabilities. I'm skilled at this. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm not skilled at mechanics, like I said, as a, and I'm really not skilled at mathematics. Mm. Those are my two really things that I'm not really good at, but I'm really good at a ton of other things. Mm -hmm. But that's being able to recognize what are my limitations. And even though I have limitations and I'm not perfect, that everything is good. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where do you want to go with that, Will? Well, I mean, I mean, everywhere. So, <laughs> right. But I, I think the point about shame is so vital to the conversation about internally referenced because I think that that's in the, in the fullest sense, because I think that may be something that keeps men from being fully internally referenced and keeps them imprisoned above the neck in their mm -hmm. mind. Because once you begin to descend into what's going on in the heart and in the body, that's where shame, that's where shame lives. Mm -hmm. yep, right. And totally. so to really begin like, no, I, I want to encounter my soul and see what in me is unmoved. And I want to mm -hmm. encounter my heart and see what in me is moved. I think the first step of that journey is to first encounter the heart and to see that my heart has been moved in ways that I haven't allowed myself to feel, right? And to really mm -hmm. work through that. And then once, all, once that process is underway, and only once that process un is underway, can you begin to find what in you is unmoved, right? That's where this, uh, this is mm -hmm. what I think exactly. happened from, yeah. And, but the thing is, like, that's a, that's a journey, and it's scary, and there aren't many ways that men get to do that in our culture. Like, it's not celebrated. Mm. Men are atomized from each other. You know, like a group of friends, for example, I, I think that um, men, I mean, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't alive then, so I can't say for sure, but I think in centuries past, men having each other and being more connected in friend groups than they are now might have naturally just done these things for each other and not really thought anything of it versus now we have to create and thank God they exist, you know, retreats and initiations and experiences and, you know, therapist's office to really begin going into mm -hmm. these things. And that's wholly necessary to come into, as we were saying, power, because you can't use your voice in the truest, fullest sense as a, as an older man until you've become and lived internally referenced for a long period of time. You've mm -hmm. earned that voice. And the process of becoming internally referenced begins with the heart and with the soul. But so many men don't ever get ch the chance to go in there, right? So, and, and the shame is the blockade. Yeah, and I think, um, gosh, what's the, uh, you were just talking about initiation. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea of, um, that's, that's one thing I think a lot of people will say, that we're missing the initiative process, initiation process in many of our aspects of culture today. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, I, I actually think, man, initiation comes to you no matter what. It, it's going to be at your, it's knocking at your front door mm -hmm. almost all the time. Okay. It just depends on, are you willing to walk through it? Oh, okay. Are you, yeah. are you willing to actually embrace it? Because kind of even, even the thing that you just said, if I feel some kind of emotion, do I push it away mm -hmm. or do I allow myself to go a little bit deeper and go, what the hell's going on inside of me? Sure. Right. That is a very small initiation process because guess what I'm doing? Well, let's go to the initiation. Remember how it's, you live in, you live in a certain world and then you live in this liminal space, right? The liminal space is that place where I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> right. I'm out of my day. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. You think about the hero's journey always starts with a normative space, you know, the Luke Skywalker living on Tatooine with uh, Uncle Owen, Amperu, mm-hmm. or however you say her name. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's living on there and all of a sudden things, all of a sudden he's in the liminal space and it goes and then it really kind of hits the spot where, you know, he's on whatever uh, Dagobah or whatever with uh, Yoda mm-hmm. and he goes into the cave mm-hmm. and then he kills Darth Vader and the helmet comes off and Darth Vader, his face is in the, under the helmet, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, that's like, what the hell is going on here? Right. You know, that's, that's, he's, that's where all of a sudden he's in the most initiate, initiating space of the whole movie. That's oh, wow. just the spot, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's going, who am I? And, and so that's where we learn about who we are. So it happens in the smallest things. Like if I'm angry, mm. that's an initiation space for myself. Am I going to allow myself to go into the dark cave that's in my heart to be able to see who the hell I really am? Mm. And that's what it is. What's happening in here? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you think about all the other places. I'm just talking about emotion as being a, a very small initiation into mm-hmm. life. Yeah. It could be a really big thing. You know, what if I'm getting a divorce? Or what if I got cancer? Or what if one of my kids died? Or what if... Um, Infidelity. You know, and, uh, betrayal, right? Yeah. Um, Oh gosh, it's like there, we every these things happen all the freaking time. To mm-hmm. People. Mm-hmm. The question is, am I willing to go into that space and discover what's really going under the surface? That's mm-hmm. what true initiation. That's what I'm saying. Initiation happens. It's available to us all the time. You know, you look at you, you go. One of my initiations is gas prices are freaking skyrocketing. You know, yeah. what the hell's going on here? I can get all pissed off or I can go, why is that such a concern? Why is that in, you know, what is it that I really value? I'm just using some random thing, Fine. you know. I get it. But it's, it's like, um, that's a big part of a man's journey is being able to embrace. And this is what I call it, actually, embracing the void. Because mm-hmm. the void, the void is the place where of uncertainty, of your limitations, of emptiness. And ultimately, it's about death as well, mm-hmm. right? That's what that, that's what the void is. But most of us spend all of our times avoiding the void, um, avoiding mm-hmm. initiation, avoiding that. So, Will, you you just brought it into this, going, you know, I don't even listen to what's in my heart, right? And I'm saying that's a place of void because do I know what's in my heart? Do I trust what's in my heart? If I drop down into my heart. Am I going to find that I'm a good man or am I going to find that I'm just a horrible human being? Mm-hmm. Because most people have this belief that if you really knew me, you wouldn't accept me. That's so wild. That, that's, that's kind of a classic um, uh, AA thing, Alcoholics Anonymous, where they, you know, that's the thing. If you really knew what was down inside of here, you wouldn't accept me and I would be rejected. Hmm. But that is the biggest lie ever. Yeah. Because when you really allow people, especially, and this is what's really fun in men's groups, is men will share their deepest stuff. And guess what happens? The other men in the group, it's respect. Yeah. Respect happens. Acceptance happens. Yeah. Me too. That's my story as well. Yeah. Right? 
Because this is the isolation that you were talking about, that men live in freaking isolation. Somehow we're pushed away where we can't be in relationship with other men. And that's why. Because if he knew what was really going on inside of me, he wouldn't accept me. But that's because I start with this thing that I'm a piece of shit. Because shame actually believes that something's deeply wrong deep down within me. And I'm just saying, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Because this comes back to the whole idea of the narratives that we listen to, the stories that we listen to. And every story that we listen to out there, remember how we were saying what the culture says, what church says, what school says, what my woman says, you know, what, what it's just, there's so many stories out there, but here, um, well, I don't know. Did you ever hear my, um, one speech on 2019 at the 21 convention? I think I might have, but, um, I'm pretty sure there are some people listening that haven't. Right. So the, right. So one of the categories that I talked about in that, in that, uh, was the idea of the word authority Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. word authority. If you think about it, the first part of the word is author. Yeah. And so the, what I think, what I think that means is the person that's telling the story has the authority. Mm -hmm. So the person that is telling the story about who you are as an individual, as a man, as a husband, whatever, whoever's telling the story about your, your, uh, your self-worth or whatever it is, has the authority over you. Mm-hmm. So who should have authority? Who should be the author of my story? There's two people, me and God. Mm-hmm. Those are the only people that need to tell my story. And if God tells my story, you've been created well, you've been redeemed well, you are a good man. Guess what? He's got all the authority, but he's told me a really good story, the truth about who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm able to rest in that and go, I'm a good man. That's who I am. Not perfect, but I'm good. I'm acceptable. Right. So that's the whole thing of where authority now, who has authority in my life? I now, and this is the coolest thing about a relationship with God that I believe anyway, mm-hmm. is I think he's given us freedom. Mm. He says, go, have authority over your life, move, rock and roll, take mm-hmm. care of business, because he trusts that we're actually going to do just fine. And mm-hmm. that's the funnest thing, because when I do my life, I feel like I'm doing it like what exactly what God would want me to do. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing really cool things and I'm enjoying really cool things. And I have a strong sense of gratitude and humility. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is where God wants me to be, mm-hmm. to be a free man. But what he's done is he says, Ken, I'm giving you authority to live your life in freedom. But in that, he's my authority by allowing me to do that. Exactly. Right. And mm-hmm. so the whole idea of the author has the authority. So here's the thing. Who's telling our story of men? It's like right. you hear you hear in our culture toxic masculinity, uh, all this crap about, you know, men are are um overbearing, uh what's the word? Uh domineering. No, what's the word? Uh I don't know. <laughs> where there's a victim and a perpetrator, there's a oppressive? Oppressor. That's exactly where it is. I'm looking so for. glad that you forgot that word. We should all forget that word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Because the, that's the narrative. That's the story that our culture is saying about men. Yeah. Is it true? Hell no. Hell no. It's, it's not. not true. There is, there is no guy that I know 
who is a husband, who is a father, um, who I don't, I don't know any guys that are oppressors. Everybody, right. Every guy out there is just trying to do his best, trying to right. love well, trying to take care of his family. It's like this whole story of the patriarchy is evil and all this. It's like that is the biggest pile of crap out there. Yes. Because men that I know, myself, I know myself, man, I want the well-being for my whole family. I want everybody to freaking thrive. I'm yeah. not out there putting a big thumb of oppression on everybody. You know, it's like yeah. I want everybody to have a hell of a lot of fun and a good thriving life and to feel really good about life and to get things done and to be strong and to, you know, and that's most men that I know. But Probably most, most men, men through history, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Think about the sacrifices that men made mm. to be able to provide that for the people in yes. the world. Right. To everybody that we love. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot, Will. That's awesome. All of it. So, okay. So, <laughs> so okay. So there, there are so many pieces that I want to pull out of it, but I want to, I want to back up to the, the notion of men being their, their own authority. Sure. And this is something that I encounter a lot in my work with men, my one-on-one -on -one work with men. Mm -hmm. um, and I frame it to them in, in terms of like the sword and the stone. There are a lot of men that are afraid of becoming authorities over their own lives mm -hmm. because they wonder, who will I be if I pull the sword from the stone? Mm -hmm. Will I become the tyrant? That's the, mm -hmm. it, show, mm -hmm. it shows up in women's lives too. Like if I fully claim authority over my life, can I trust myself with authority over my own life? And, and a lot of what I, I've tried to do with men, not even in, in my own practice, but over the years, and be like, because you're worried about that, you're exactly the sort of person that can be trusted with authority over your own mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. But what I like how you said there is that I think that equation only works if there's also an authority over you, meaning God. Because, exactly. because what can, okay, so I, I pull the sword from the stone and I have the sword, I have my, I have my power and it's in its fullest way, but okay. So then what's checking me that's beyond me. And I, and, and the answer from in my life has always been God. Um, and, and the Christian God that looks at me and says, you are good, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's a big difference about the Christian God is like God made mm -hmm. us and said, you know, fundamentally life, reality, earth, nature, it's all good. Right. Mm -hmm. Versus like, well, we can talk about Buddhism later. So, so, but let's say, <laughs> right, it's fine. so, um, so say, say more about that, because I think that's the really important part is that we can choose, we can claim authority over our own lives for ourselves. If there's mm -hmm. also an authority over us that isn't human, that's not terrestrial authority, right? Yeah. I think that's a, you're, you're kind of moving into the category of the King archetype. Yeah. Right. And you think about in all stories about Kings who have failed they always end up, what do they call that? Their hubris, yes. right? Where they're, and, and it happens because they thought they were the ultimate authority, mm -hmm. right? And so whether you believe in God or not, it's like there's something much bigger than you in this universe. Absolutely. Right? Everyone whether it's knows nature, that. whether it's, it's just like, that's a sense. We know it. Yeah. And, and you, um, yeah, whether it's literally God, whether it's Jesus, whether it's nature, whether it's the universe, whatever you call it, there's something so much bigger than us. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing about it is there are laws and rules that happen, that are, exist, regardless yes. of who you are. Everybody, yes. has to, everybody has to live with the rule of, of the law of gravity. Yeah. It's just, yeah. that's the way it is, right? Yeah. And there, there are so many other rules and laws as well. There's also, you know, the rules and laws of um, relationship 
Uh, mm-hmm. Like we were talking about earlier, we said truth. the word betrayal and truth. Mm-hmm. There, there are things that that are true. The right? conscience, right? We're all born mm-hmm. with a not all. Some people are not born with a conscience. Like true psychopaths are born without a conscience, which is a, a small thing. group of people. But it's yes. a small groups of people they exist. But mm-hmm. we have a conscience. Our conscience tells us right and wrong, right? And we mm-hmm. know that inside our head. Where did, where is that? Where does that come from, mm-hmm. right? And that's the that's the the embodiment of moral law within our within our we'll say soul. Yeah, there's there's something to that. Um, I don't know how much I want to get into that, but the right. category of you were talking <laughs> three hours later. <laughs> <laughs> no, the category that you're talking about, the king archetype, you know, and the king that goes awry, the tyrant. Doesn't know how to use his power or is using his power to try to, um, and I really do believe that he's trying to resolve these inner conflicts, right? Mm -hmm. The king is trying through power to be able to achieve the resolving that inner, and the main inner conflict that I'm talking about is shame. And so the king would think that if I have power, if I have control, if I get these people to do what I want, then it'll resolve this. I will be, I will be okay. I will be, Mm. it's the, it's, it's the old equation. Me plus blank equals acceptance, right? And whatever you put in the blank. I've never heard that before. I love it. Here we go. So, so the, the, whatever I put in the blank. So here's the thing. So a lot of guys will put, I'll put my big pickup truck. Oh yeah. Here we go. You know, me plus my big pickup truck equals acceptability. Now Mm. I'm somebody, right? Uh, me plus, you know, the pickup artist world, me plus this, this 10,000 woman notch count equals oh. I'm acceptable. Ugh. I think the guy that was 10,000, that was Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's like, but that's what it is. If I have this notch count, I'm somebody. Right. Um, you were talking about finances. Me plus a big wallet equals mm-hmm. somebody. You know, yeah, some guys seven are me zeros plus, in my bank account. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's me plus whatever yeah. equals I'm acceptable. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this is, is that men have put men, women, everybody has put something. We all put something in that, in that blank, that that's the thing. And these are the counterfeits. These are the idols. These are the things. This is the thing that's going to give me life. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, that's where we got to fall back to me plus nothing mm. equals acceptability. So where mm. is life really found? Right. And that's where I really think it's found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's like Mm -hmm. that it's me plus nothing equals acceptability. I am fully acceptable as a human being in my life as who I am. Right. It's me plus nothing. There's nothing in that blank. But when I'm always wanting to fill that blank, because trust me, there's a million Christians that are still trying to fill the blank with whatever. Yes. You know, it's it's all the idols. It's all the uh, it's anything that we're addicted to. Right. Mm-hmm. If this mm-hmm. thing, if I had this thing, if I had more of this thing, I'm mm-hmm. going to be acceptable or I'm going to feel good about life or it'll resolve that inner conflict of mm-hmm. my sense of feeling like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's the category of when we talk about the king, it's like I will be power hungry, but it's that's his hubris. Now he's he because he needs that blank filled. And, and it's the good king that's able to say. I have an authority that's higher than myself who can be able to say, I have a level of sovereignty, but I don't have ultimate sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Let's say I'm a dad and I'm a husband. I have sovereignty over myself and I have a level of sovereignty over my family and leading my family. 
mm-hmm. but I ultimately don't have ultimate sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I still have to find a level of wisdom and um, from a different source. I have right. a ton. I will tell you, the internally referenced man has a ton of internal wisdom that's just there. And it's yes. there from the ages. And I really do kind of believe in what Jung talked about, where there's this, I forget how he talked, how he said it, but there's this this wisdom throughout the ages because it's in me and my DNA as a human being. Collective unconscious. The collective unconscious. That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. And it's there. And I think there's a ton of wisdom about things that I've learned throughout my life. There's things that I learned from how God gives it to me, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit moving in my life. Uh, another really significant internal resource, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, no and, big deal. Yeah. So that the gosh, so the king, the us being um being kings of our own little kingdom mm-hmm. that I and how much sovereignty do I have over that? I think it's a really significant thing. I have a lot of sovereignty over who I am, but I guess maybe the will, the thing that I'm getting back to is I have to resolve that inner conflict, yeah. the inner conflict of my identity. Mm-hmm. And, and it's crazy how almost everything that I go back to comes back to that idea of shame mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that toxic mm-hmm. thing that I don't think I'm good enough. And I need something outside of me, another external to resolve this internal conflict. Mm-hmm. I need the woman to like me. I need to be able to have sex. I need her to be beautiful. I need um, you know, this is the whole thing of what, you know what porn is? Porn I've, is just I've heard trying. of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, the whole thing is, it's, it exists because men have a horrible sense of self and I need mm. a beautiful naked woman to validate me. Wow. And so I think I, you know, people talk about it being sex addiction and all this. I think it's a validation addiction. That'd it's just right. like, I need myself. I need val. I need an external source to validate my sense of self, to resolve mm-hmm. that internal conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it is. And so once I resolve, this is the funnest thing, working with the guys, once they start to resolve that inner conflict and build a stronger sense of self, more self-worth, more self-value, they're able to know who they are on a stronger um, equation. Guess what happens? Mm. Porn doesn't have a job to do because I have an internally validated self. I don't need external validation anymore. Not like it did. Mm. It still hangs on because it's a it's a it's a habit and it's something that I've used to be able to resolve it. But it it disappears so quickly when I start to have a stronger sense of self and identity. Men, look at the world today. You know something isn't right. You know many things aren't right. And if you're smart, you also know that you have something to do with it. What's wrong isn't your fault, but I bet you know you could do something to change it. In fact, I bet there's something you could do right now, not just a task undone, though there are plenty of those. I mean a journey untaken, a land undiscovered, a shield gathering dust, a sword rusting, a map rolled up somewhere inside you, and a call unheeded. If this describes you, I understand. It once described me. I was 50 pounds overweight, stuck in a dead-end relationship, surrounded by men afraid of their women and waiting for my hopes to come to me. I would have waited forever, except for one thing. I wanted to live, not simply be alive. 
I wasn't content to float down the river of life with everyone around me. I wanted to paddle towards the shore and follow my path towards adventure and along the way make a difference in this beautiful and broken world. So one day, that's what I did. And I started in the company of men. I'm beginning a new online men's group called The Forum of five to eight men who are looking to live like I once was. And I have spaces opening in my men's renaissance coaching program. Email me at info at if you'd like to learn more. Just know there is more in you. Are you ready to discover it? There are literally a dozen different things, different directions that I want to take that in. But I, I want to I, I take this in the direction of therapy from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. because this is everything that you're saying is so important. And I can't, I can't think of anybody. Now, it's hard enough finding a therapist who will do therapy from a perspective of, of appreciating men for what they are. Most of, mm-hmm. you know, as, as Sean Smith talks about, you know, the American Psychological Association is going very heavily in its bias against men. And he talks mm-hmm. about that brilliantly. Yeah, so gonna, the, he's right. The, and back to my point, they have a really significant narrative of what they believe men are and who mm-hmm. men are. And so yes. that, and Sean's going really pushing strongly against that narrative. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job yeah, of that. So totally. within, so within with finding a set of therapists that have a, that have a, uh, that, that don't have an anti-male bias is a very, is, is hard enough to do, but mm-hmm. then finding therapy that's, um, that's Christian compatible, Christian friendly, or Christian based. I'm not sure what the right phrase would be. I, I don't even think I could, yeah, I, wouldn't even, I don't even know where I would go looking for something like that. So that you bring that up is like, okay, this feels like a pretty important opportunity to talk about something that's really important because there are so many Christian men that, um, that I think would be looking to have many of their own internal issues with shame and self-worth and, and being internally referenced addressed in a therapeutic way. There's only so much the pastor can do, right, with, mm-hmm. with that. You know, a book will only get you so far. Where, where are, or are there any therapists talking about this in a way that can serve Christian men that isn't humanistic or isn't materialistic or Freudian in nature, right? Which I think those have those tools have value. I know that they've had value in my life, but mm-hmm. they can only get you so far. So I, mm-hmm. I really want to talk about this. You've said a ton of amazing things that I want to get into, but I, I really want to talk tackle this. Gosh, and I don't have an answer. Okay, so much because you're asking. You're asking where do you find this? <laughs> I, know, I know, and it's like it. It does. Um, here, here's the thing. Besides you, <laughs> and I, I don't want to sit on that. You know, unfortunately, yeah, there's yeah. not. Here, here's the thing. There, Ken's telephone number is no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm busy already. I'm plenty busy. <laughs> Praise God for that. But yeah, so the gosh, man. Um, uh, where my head goes with that. I'm uh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. Hey, I think, I think, it. I think a lot of Christians, a lot of the, a lot of church, hmm. a lot of church theology actually is the thing that replicates shame. I think you're, I think you're right about that. You know, okay. on, on, I, uh, with a positive intention, but continue. No, no. And I, I don't want to, yeah. Cause it's, it's a, uh, and positive intention i'm not well okay yeah because yeah keep sending it don't let me interrupt you (laughs) no here uh well how do i say it um i think well 
gosh, I think shame comes from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, it comes from the church too often. And this is this is I'm I'm actually talking from my own personal experience. Sure. That 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 uh, there was something about the way the gospel was presented, the way that uh, um, that e- essentially it's coming from you suck, you suck, right. and you need Jesus, right? And so this this is a really important thing because it's like I do a lot of work with guys that are not Christians, and yes. I and I love it, and and because I know that they're made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and I know that they are good men. And I know that they can do really, really good things. Mm-hmm. But I also am aware that they're, gosh, how do I say it? Um, the problem is that they're separated from God, not that they're good men. They still sin. The sin is what separates them from God. Mm-hmm. And so, and Jesus is the thing that would move a man from, from um, being separated from God to not being separated. Because that's mm-hmm. that, that is essentially the the um, the definition of hell is is separation, mm-hmm. eternal right? separation. From um, God, er, yeah. Earlier, earlier I had talked about the idea of separation from myself. That's one one type of hell. Um, mm. Separate separating from myself, not not being connected to anything in here is mm-hmm. is that's a type of hell. Um, Most people live that, that way. Yeah, exactly. Being uh, living in a way that I'm disconnected and isolated from everyone else—that's another type of hell. The separation, mm. right? Ultimate eternal separation would be I'm totally separated from God. That is hell. I want to imagine that. Yeah. Right. Well, that—that's what hell is. Right. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the problem is not that a man is a bad human being. The problem is, is that he sins, he chooses, his belief system is bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really significant thing. So this kind of goes against a lot of people who have a category of, you know, the original sin of, of the fact that, um, that all, and, but it's the, it's, it's the language that you suck. Right. And that's, and that. The implication, the, the implication, like the message that's, the language might be accurate, but the implication and the feeling is that you suck. Right, right, like right. that's it's the carrier wave of it. Right? And so what I what I'm saying, and where I come from this in from this angle is, you do not suck, you are separated right. from a non Christian person. I love it. Right, mm-hmm. you don't suck. You're a good man. You you're gonna do great things with your family. You're gonna provide. You're you're gonna love them. You're going to struggle with everything that everybody struggles with, Christian or non Christian. You are a man. You are a good man. Um. And I would dare to say, and your heart is good, but you sin and you have separation. And that's where Jesus comes in, is Jesus takes the the weight of the sin away from a human being to where now they're able to stand before God and there's no separation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now I'm actually redeemed well, and that's a totally different place. Mm -hmm. But. Will, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, because where you know, and and I'm 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 by no means an apologist, and I'm no means an right, experienced right. Christian. So I'm navigating my way through all through all of these issues. Like, you know, I've got a microphone on a journey, and that's about that's about all of they, all that, that I can say. So what I works. so what I tend to what I tend to look at things this is like okay, so there's this notion in, in uh, Calvinism and Reformed theology of total depravity. Yep, right, yep, exactly that phrase. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So so um, total depravity. 
to me is like, okay, if you're working absolutely between humans and God, yes, you're totally depraved. And, and the, the, I actually was reading a book recently. I don't remember which one and it's around, but it's like, it's, it's, it's not that you are complete, you're a completely lousy piece of shit. Like that's not what that means is that every aspect of yourself is, is clouded and polluted by sin is what that means. It doesn't no, mean, that's it right. doesn't mean, right. And so that, so the man that's holding down a good job, you know, and providing for his family and as a pillar of the community, like if you're working compared to all humans to God, yes, for sure. But there's a difference because we don't live on that plane. We don't live that way. We live relatively on earth. And so to, from, I think men internalize the message that because total depravity is a thing, there's no fundamental difference between me and the drug dealer on the corner or, or whatever. And it's like, well, there is this human level. It's like, no, you're a good man trying to do your best. Yes, you sin. Yes, you're separated from God. But that doesn't mean that you're equivalent in some really important ways to men that live their lives immorally or, 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 or um, illegally or whatever the way is. And I think that nuance is what gets lost, that that, that language isn't separated, that it isn't explained to mm-hmm. them that, look, there are, good, there are very, very good things about you. God made you and said that you were good. And yes, from the perspective of, of sin and eternity, of course, we're, we're all sinners and we're all fallen. We all need mm-hmm. to be reconciled to God through Christ. And there is still the level of like, hey, you're a good man who's trying to make it work against long odds. And men mm-hmm. need to hear that too. And I, I don't, I think that, I think that message gets lost. But know? totally gets lost. Yeah. And, and that's a, so the, because it all starts with you suck. Right. Right. And maybe we and, do, but like, and, but like <laughs> right? Well, here's the thing. It's not you suck. It's the, yes. it's the, the language I was You're using. Sinful. I am sinful. Yes. I have limitations. I'm not perfect. Yes. Right. There are, there are, I, I do not hit the mark. Yeah. You know, the whole thing of sin is yeah. the arrow not hitting the target. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't hit the mark. It's yeah. like, but that's where, that's where Jesus intercedes for me to be able to, break uh, to be able to create a bond for me with God. And I'm able mm-hmm. to move forward with that. Mm-hmm. But the big thing that I think I'm saying is, is when I work with men, it's like, um, if you're, if you're a Christian and non-Christian, it doesn't matter to me because I believe the same thing that when you're internally referenced, that you're going, you can live a whole and thriving life, mm-hmm. right? Because you have the goods you have. This stuff is in good working order. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. I do believe that God, like I said earlier, with the Holy Spirit, is an incredibly powerful inter- internal resource. Mm-hmm, and I think yes. my relationship with God is, is take, has been a really powerful thing for me. But mm. I don't want to tell, I'm not going to tell a non-Christian guy that you can't thrive. There's something more that you can have in life, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. if you really want to seek it. But you're, you can have a really thriving life by pursuing and trusting what you got going on. Cause this is really good, wise stuff inside. Of right. You. Right. And, and, and as a, and as a therapist, it's not necessarily just, just as the religion of wokeism is now finding its way into the therapeutic office. And again, mm-hmm, Sean talks mm-hmm. a lot about that, that mm-hmm. there are therapists that are trying to insert political ideology into vulnerable men's lives, you know, who are mm-hmm, trusting them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's completely like, it's an abomination. It's abhorrent and wrong. And yeah. the same, in the same, in the same token, when men are coming to you who aren't Christian men, they're not coming to you to be preached to. Mm-mm. And so, so, so I want to set that aside. And I think, I think the notion of Christian therapy that I was looking for is more yeah. like for Christian men that are looking to have the totality of their being spoken to. 
it in um in terms of like I can speak about my my we'll say mental and emotional challenges, trauma and all that stuff, and also get my spirit spoken to as well. Mm-hmm. You know, for men that are look for Christian men that are looking for that, that's the part that I wanted to mine that I think is so valuable because I think men need to hear all of those messages. How can I thrive as a man and thrive also thrive in Christ? Because because living skillfully and 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 being saved are two separate things. Mm-hmm. Totally right. And and mm-hmm. I, that this discussion. You know, and I, um, I feel like almost hesitant getting into this because I don't want like people like, no, Will, you're wrong, and your theology is bad. Like, it's, I, you know, the, I, I, I don't think so. But like, I want to be careful going into this because I don't want to help hold myself up as the guy that has all these answers because there are plenty of apologists that know better than I do. But I still notice functionally in people and men's lives that it's like you got like you have to learn to live skillfully while you're mm-hmm. being saved, and we don't have the resources that teach men how to live skillfully. You know, I, I don't experience it in our culture. And I think the church is just barely beginning to figure that out. I don't want to say barely begin, begin to, because it's been figuring it out for a long time, but to surface these messages more primarily, let's say. Yeah. And I think the I love your term living skillfully. I can live mm-hmm. skillfully in my life as a man. Many, many men have lived skillfully and had incredible influence and not been followers of Jesus. Right. Right. And, and it's like, and, and, but the problem is, that if you, you know, if you have sin in your life, you are separated from God, right? Yeah. And that, that's the is. problem. I don't make the rules. I just work here. Right. That's exactly right. That's the problem. But you could still, you could still live an incredible life. Yes. But you you, ultimate, when we talk about hell, it's like ultimate separation from God is in eternity. If you haven't, what do you Reconciled. call that? Reconciled that, that whole thing, right? Yeah. Through Christ. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Jesus is the way, mm-hmm. and that that so that's that's you said I don't I just work here. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. But yeah. that, so that's the thing. But I guess the thing about it is um, when you start. So this is maybe the core of what I'm talking about from the very beginning is when you're able to live from an internally referenced place mm-hmm. and really trust that my identity that I'm okay. I'm a I'm a good man. And, and it comes back to the whole narrative, the story mm-hmm. of who is telling the story about who I am. Uh, okay, yeah. And that's the whole thing. It kind of, mm-hmm. it all comes back to the narrative. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. Check this out. We, when we're talking, because we're talking about some spiritual aspects of things, mm-hmm. um, what I believe that spiritual warfare is, is mm-hmm. a narrative battle. I agree. It's the, it's the stories that are being told. Because with spiritual warfare, who's telling the other story? Mm-hmm. What is Satan telling? Mm-hmm. Why is Why? he called the father of lies? Why is he <laughs> called the deceiver of the brethren? Mm-hmm. Why it's, it, it's, he's the accuser of the brethren. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The accuser. It's because what he is doing is he is telling a story. And that story that he tells from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. hey, God's holding out on you. Mm-hmm. This isn't true. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he's saying, you suck. You're mm-hmm. not enough. You are mm-hmm. not enough. You need to eat this fruit in order to be enough. Mm-hmm. To be like do you, remember, do you remember what I was talking about? Me plus blank equals acceptance mm-hmm. or enough. So me plus this apple equals enough, right? And that was the beginning of time where shame jumped into the equation. Right. And Satan's voice in the garden essentially was saying, you need something else outside of you 
in order to be acceptable. Wow. Okay. 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 So with no, that, uh, you're no. blown. My mind is my mind is blown. Like it's, because this, this gets no, really, this this absolutely lines up. Because you saw my my presentation at Twenty One Con yep, where I did. talked about yep. this subject, but mm-hmm. I always identified shame as coming in after the fall. But you're saying that shame it, had a grip di- before, it, technically, or, or it was the- it was the okay. So what I'm talking about is the narrative, yeah. the story that's being told. And when Satan tells the story to Adam and Eve, he's saying you need this. God's holding out on you. You need something more in order to get what would make wow. you whole and complete, right? Wow. It would make you whole and complete if you ate this apple or did this thing. And so then you remember right afterwards, man, they fig leaf city. It's oh, like, I have to cover everything. This, this is not acceptable anymore. Oh. I have to cover it up because it's not acceptable because now I'm in shame mm-hmm. because this is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then God's sitting there going, hey, Adam, where are you? Hang on. And he's over there hiding. He's hiding. Yeah. This is where separation is happening. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. hiding. And I don't want to let anybody see. Remember the whole thing I'm saying? If you see me, you wouldn't like me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's our belief. That's what we believe. That's the narrative that we're believing. And it's a narrative from be- the beginning of the dawn of time, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the narrative that Satan is continuing to speak to everybody mm-hmm. for some reason. And I have no idea. And I know that Satan is not omnipresent and he's not omniscient. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, every stinking human being is wrestling with the question about who am I? Mm-hmm. About I suck am or I I'm broken mm-hmm. or I, mean, I need something outside of myself in order to feel whole and complete. Mm-hmm. Let me give you another one, Will. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, remember I'm talking about in, in, uh, integrity. Well, one of my, um, one of my main concepts of, of integrity comes from the word integer. Mm-hmm. And integer and integrity have the same root. Integrity, mm-hmm. integer, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember from fifth grade math, math what an integer is? Yeah, it's a whole and complete step, right? It's a whole number. It's mm-hmm. not 1.5 or three and three quarters. Mm-hmm. It's a whole number. Mm-hmm. And so the, mm-hmm. old, the whole idea of being whole and complete is a really, really, really powerful concept. Mm-hmm. It's a really powerful. It's actually, I think, I think it's part of what shalom actually means. Mm. The Hebrew word shalom actually means this is whole and complete. Mm. And so the, the whole idea of being whole and complete And being able to sit with myself and go, I am whole and complete. I do not need anything outside of myself, external of me, in order to feel whole. Mm -hmm. Nothing material. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm, Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? But but we put everything in that box. Me plus blank. Mm -hmm. I I need a good body. I need a beautiful woman. I need money. I need this. And it's, it's... it's Let's a ton it, yeah. of different things. And, mm-hmm. and that's the problem is we're putting everything else in that, in that equation in order to feel whole and complete mm-hmm. to, to resolve that inner conflict that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I want to, this is great. So I want to go back in, I want to go back into the garden and talk about, sure. uh, and talk about where, where shame came from. So, so the, the message that, um, that the serpent was giving to, it was to Eve because mm-hmm. she, the serpent didn't talk to Adam. No, but the crazy, the crazy thing is, and the text says Adam was with her. Oh, does it? Yeah, it says he was standing right there. Oh, okay. She, so they were to, she, they were together. Maybe okay. It, it's yeah. It says uh, she. 
um, it says something like, uh, he, she turns to Adam who was with her. Oh, okay. so he was there listening to the whole thing. Now this, oh. <laughs> you want, uh-huh. you want your mind blown? But yes, <laughs> sign me up for a blown mind. Okay. <laughs> Go so, for this, three for three. Yeah. so now we're talking about shame. Mm-hmm. And when a man is in shame, which Adam immediately was, mm-hmm. guess what disappears? God. No. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Wait, that, was, that was a great Sunday school answer. Good job. <laughs> no, and I'm going to loop it back. The thing okay. that disappears is his mm-hmm. voice. Oh, wow. He didn't say, what the hell is going on, woman? Oh, man. No, we're not doing this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like he was silent. Mm -hmm. Mm. He lost his freaking voice and he didn't Mm -hmm. say, no, that's a lie. And so guess what the, okay, Mm. so here's the thing. And then the scripture does say that Adam or that uh, Eve was deceived, right? It does say that in there. And she was. But guess Mm -hmm. what? Freaking Adam was standing right there and didn't say no. That's the problem. And so from the beginning, we're talking about the beginning of the dawn of time. And this is our story. You know, whether Mm. you believe this is a true story or not, it's an incredible story. It is. It's amazing. It's it's like it. it, And so Adam, who was with her, was silent. He did not have a voice. So Mm -hmm. earlier when I was talking about how a man has a voice and Mm -hmm. that is one of the most powerful parts of us. Mm-hmm. Man, imagine, imagine how this would have worked out had mm-hmm. Adam said, no, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. That would have been much, much better. Much, much better. <laughs> much, much better. <laughs> Eventually, something would have, the shit would have hit the fan somewhere else, most likely. Yeah. But that's part of our story. But the thing about it um, that's so important about this is thinking how does shame shut men down? Mm-hmm. How does shame silence men? It silences mm-hmm. everybody. I'm, I, I said earlier, shame's a, a human condition. But what's, our, what's my work? What's, what's this all about, Renaissance of Men? It's, this is about men, right? Mm-hmm. And so shame shuts men up. Sit down yeah. and shut up is where you need to be. That's what the culture is telling us. Yeah. And shame shuts us up. And so the most powerful part of our existence, of our influence, is completely shut down because I don't believe that I'm okay. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that I'm good enough. I need to sit down and shut up when the opposite is true. Mm -hmm. I need to stand up and I need to speak clearly what I know is true. Mm -hmm. And so the most important part of this whole thing of being an internally referenced individual is finding the truth and speaking the truth. You had mm-hmm. said earlier the whole thing of having a conscience, having an awareness, having being able to know what is true and what is right. Mm-hmm. And that is something we begin. It be, it's a lifetime of clarity, of drawing closer to clarity of what is truth, mm-hmm. what is right. It's like, as a young man, I had an idea. I had a mm. conscience, a kind of an idea. Now it's a much more clear and there's so much more stuff that I think I understand. Um, but it's a journey. It's mm-hmm. a journey of really being able to find out what is the true narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're after. Remember the whole thing of who's telling the story? What's the true narrative? If I'm able to find the true narrative and it rests within me, 
then I have authority and sovereignty in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I'm if able I- to be free. I am not going to be free at all. It, freedom does not exist for the man that is externally referenced. No, at all. Not at all. And real quick, but I wanted to just say, I looked up the, the scripture passage, you know, just a second ago, and, and it, it does actually say, because I sent a tweet about this early this week, actually, it said, um, so when the, um, when the woman, this is Genesis 3, mm-hmm. um, verse 6, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave t- some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Mm-hmm. So Adam was there. Adam was there. I didn't know that he, he was, was right there. there. I didn't know he was there. And you're right. So, so he didn't, he didn't speak up. And, and why did not, why did Adam not speak up in the face of evil? Because I, I guess I had thought that she was off somewhere doing something. Someone asked me on Twitter, yeah. well, where was Adam? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> right. But he was right there. Why didn't mm-hmm. he not speak up? And, and gosh, there's so much in that story because, because, you know, there's, um, there's so many women now that are actually eating of that tree. That are mm-hmm, eating of that, mm-hmm. you know, you will be, what's the promise? You will be as gods, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes, women right. are women are God. Feminism is God. We're the divine mother. Like I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes to this uh, mm-hmm. thing by mm-hmm. this, you know, uh, this, I think he's Southern Baptist. Spencer Smith is his name. And he did a whole like, two hour documentary about the presence of the divine feminine in our culture. You know, where, where, where w- women are God now, like coming to you. Yeah, you totally. Certainly. Yeah. Patriarch, they, yeah. Yep. And so, and so men for the past several decades, let's say, have been silent. And it's like, and, and you can't, you know, you go to speak up and you like, oh no. And then what comes back? Shame. Exactly. <laughs> right? Hey, I, um, my neighbor is deciding to mow his lawn. I can't I'm, hear it. I'm, you can't. No, is it? Okay. Is it bothering you? I just didn't know if it was bothering you, if you could hear it. No. Okay. No, otherwise, fine. Uh, otherwise, I shut my window. Oh, but you can this, shut the window. Oh, you're not going to go talk to your neighbor. Oh, yeah, shut the window if you're hey, more comfortable that way. Um, yeah, let me do that real fast. Okay, that's fine. I will continue. I will. I will continue reading from uh, scripture while Ken does that. And then there verse seven. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Sorry, I was just reading the next no, verse while no, you were closing the window. It, and and then so and then go ahead and read where where God shows up. Okay, yeah, that's that would be uh, the next verse. This is great, by the way. And this is verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, "Where are you?" And he said, "I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself." He, mm-hmm. the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? Have you mm-hmm. eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with it. me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. So, you know, that, then the Lord God said to the we, woman, but what is this you have done? The woman said, I, the serpent deceived me and I ate. I know. The, the, the most so important awful. thing here that it's so awesome with those two statements when yeah. you ask the question is blame. So we got the, our two big things here, blame and shame. Yeah, they rhyme. Blame and shame. <laughs> the funnest thing. The f- yeah. fun. I uh, here's here's Adam going. Guess guess who he blames? Oh, I know. It's so awful. It, he goes the woman that you, you. made me. <laughs> <laughs> he's you like can. he's not only blaming her. He's blaming God. Right. Right. He's right. blaming God for this whole thing mm-hmm. for his mm-hmm. silence. 
Mm-hmm. And then Adam's like, oh, it's a ser-, or I mean, Eve is going, it's a serpent. Everybody is blaming someone else. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this is, and so again, one of the most powerful parts of growing strong as a human being is confession, is ownership and responsibility Oof. and accountability, right? Everything Adam and, De- Adam and Eve did at the beginning, it's like, that, that's, this is a perfect illustration of don't do this, yes. right? <laughs> do not read Genesis 3 and don't do that thing. And just don't do it. And yeah. so use your voice, say what needs to be said at any given yeah. time. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like speak wisdom, speak influence, set a boundary, hold accountability, say no. That's a really powerful part. The mm-hmm. second thing is there is own your shit. Mm-hmm. Is if you make a mistake, that's on me, right? It's yeah. the, uh, you know, it's the whole thing of the, the being able to, what's uh, Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership, yeah. right? This is mine. It's the buck stops here concept. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I own this. I made a mistake. But back to the thing, I made a mistake or I am a mistake. Right. See, Adam's sitting here going, I am a mistake. And he's thinking, I can't own the mistake because it's not about my behavior. It's about my identity because God now, I, there's this thing going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and as so, long as, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just saying this, this so accountability is gigantic. And mm-hmm. back to the whole thing, remember I was talking about relationship? I think mm-hmm. confession and accountability is one of the most powerful things in mm-hmm. a relationship. Oh, so man. the idea of, uh, uh, my, my little quip is this, where it's uh, the three most powerful words in a relationship are not, I love you. Mm-hmm. The three most powerful words is, are, I was wrong. Mm, mm -hmm. And so when you actually are able to communicate, I was wrong when I did this, I shouldn't have done that. When you say I was wrong, that those words, that's a, that's the confessional. That's being able to own it. That's being able to be responsible for it. Those words actually are a powerful reconciliation. Mm. That is what actually brings two human beings together. And if you've ever had anybody come up to you and say, man, when I did this to you, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's way out of line. Mm-hmm. And if anybody ever has said any words even remotely close to that, you know what I'm talking about, how all of a sudden things are fixed. All of a sudden things you're now able to rebuild. And so those words, I was wrong. I'm taking ownership for what I've done is really, really powerful. And so those two things in that story, you know, speak and own it, you know, don't blame, don't sit in the shame, don't blame other people, own your stuff and say what you need to say. Accountability. This goes back to the whole thing. I'm saying accountability is one of the most powerful um, things that create trust in a relationship, Mm -hmm. creates reconciliation in a relationship. It helps bond people. It, um, it's just really a really, really significant thing. The problem is accountability is not a thing that we find very often in our world today. No, and it's not fun. Say it again. Accountability is not fun. No, it's not fun. Right. But it's right. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. And Mm -hmm. it takes humility and it takes the ability to say, I made a mistake, not I am a mistake. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that little thing helps you to be able to go, I made a really significant mistake. I need to own it. I need to say it. I need to get... But it is the thing, I'm telling you, man, the thing that rebuilds relationships. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and, um, two things on that. The, the first thing that comes to mind is what prevents people from saying I made a mistake is that they've never actually confronted the, mm-hmm. the deeper belief that I am a mistake. So if you're carrying around, you know, I am a mistake. Mm-hmm. When you actually make a mistake, you can't actually say that you did because it just touches all that, that deep pain. It remind it, it, it takes you even deeper into shame, mm-hmm. right? Because it yep. validates what you already believe about yourself. And th- right. does this take you back to what we were talking about? How if I'm living here, yeah, right. If I mm-hmm. live here, I'm okay. This mm-hmm. is this up here. This is safe. Yeah. Oh, if He's I go down to his and, head, what's that? There's people just listening. So you're yeah. pointing to your head. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Pointing to my mm-hmm. head mm-hmm. down here in my lower surface. Believe all my that. my internal resources, my identity, my shame, all that junk. When I talk about you know, resolving my own inner conflict. Mm-hmm. That's my most massive inner conflict is my mm-hmm. identity. Yeah. And so resolving that myself with my creator, with my friends mm-hmm. is, is where I have to go. I have to be able to resolve it and find out what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Am I good enough? Because that goes back to that question. Mm-hmm. I think if I ask that question, I'm going to find out, nope, you suck. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. I'm just going, that's bullshit. That comes from what I was saying, spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. We all know it, yeah. but it ain't true. Mm-hmm. The lies that we believe. The lies. The lie. we, that's the thing. The narrative. And that's the mo- one of the most important parts. So let me give you a couple things here. So I Get teach it. my guys the first thing. I, I call them the, the five solid man competencies. Mm-hmm. So the first competency is what I'm talking about is called the check-in. The checking in is what the hell's going on inside of me, right? Mm-hmm. What am I feeling? What do I want? What's my desire? What's my intuition saying? What's my gut saying? Everything inside of me, there's so much goodness. What's my body saying? My mm-hmm. body talks all the time. Mm-hmm. It's saying some pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> but there's all this stuff talking to me, mm-hmm. telling me really, really good information, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So checking yeah. in. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's going on? That's the most important thing. That's the first competencies that that becoming really good at um, checking in is it. That's just across the board. If you can get decent at that, you're going to start to win. You're going to start to do okay. And trusting yourself that this information is really good, that you're in good working order, and the information that you get is going to be really valuable and and good, and it's going to be able to lead you in a direction that's really significant. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is something we've been talking about all, this whole time is the whole I- idea of questioning the narrative. Mm-hmm. So questioning the narrative is really important. As information comes into me, I have to question it. Is that true? Is that right? Is that really true? I mean, think about all the millions of things we get, you know, from the news, from Twitter, from this, from that, from church, from teachers, from our parents, from who knows what it is. Mm-hmm. It's all about the whole thing of it's it's a narrative. Everybody out there is telling a story. And, the, and you have to ask the question, is that true? Questioning the narrative is absolutely essential with, this, with being able to do life well. Because yeah. what you're wanting to do is find the truth. What is the true narrative that's going on? Mm-hmm. That's really, yeah. really important. The mm-hmm. third thing is ownership, accountability, responsibility, that this is mine. And owning mm-hmm. 
like I was saying earlier, owning my shit. You know what I mean? It's like I got stuff. Um, I say stuff that's wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. You know, owning it and and being able to say I was wrong. That's a really powerful part of this whole thing. So that's the third one. The fourth one is the whole idea of holding the narrative. Once you find the truth, and you got to hang on for dear dear life. Mm. Remember that character in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean that had on his fist, it's hold tight or hold, hold fast. fast. Hold, hold fast. fast. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Hold fast. I was going tight. That's five words. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Or five letters. <laughs> so hold fast. It's like, man, hang on. Once you find the truth, like the thing is that like I'm saying, I have a good mind. Man, I got to hang on to that for dear life. That truth that I have a good mind. I have to hang on to that because guess what keeps trying to creep in? Ken, you're stupid. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I couldn't do anything that we're talking about here, Will, if if I believe that. If I believe I'm stupid, I'm able to give this stuff to you guys and, and this whole conversation because guess what I believe and I'm holding fast to the truth that I have a good mind. Like I said, I'm not perfect. I'm not the smartest guy, but I have some good ideas. Right. I've collected some things over the years. And I it's agree like with that. I think so. Holding, <laughs> holding fast to the narrative. I'm telling you, everything in the world pushes you to where you you all those other narratives. If you don't hang on tight, man, you it, it, it comes at you fast and strong. Yeah. Then the fifth competency, and this could take a totally different direction, is the whole idea of living in tension. Mm. And, and living in tension, which means that I'll lean into conflict, that I'll yeah. lean into saying what's right. But it's that thing at that moment when I need to say the words, no, that ain't right. Like Adam should have. Mm. If he knows if I say that, it's going to create a hell of a lot of tension. Yeah. If I'm going to use my voice at any given time and hold somebody accountable or set a boundary or say no, man, tension. Or even, even if I say this is what I want. You know, hey, I need a hug. Yeah. A little bit of tension because is she going to give me a hug or not? Mm-hmm. Right. It's there. It's mm-hmm. so living in tension is a really, really powerful part of living a really good life of thriving. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This makes me think of um, those are all wonderful. And I like that last one, especially because that makes me think of this liminal space and everything has the capability of being mm-hmm. a, an initiation. Yep. If you have the courage to step into it, because mm-hmm. you step into that moment where, you know, something happens and you, have, and, you know, it could be an emergency or it could be who knows what it is. We'll just, you know, we'll just say, um, you know, a stranger shows up at your door. It's like, who is this person? And you, mm-hmm. you have the chance to avoid the tension or you can step into the tension, step mm-hmm. into the liminal space and be internally resourced with how to confront, um, how to confront the situation in the proper way, you know, like, um, like. Recently, um, recently, uh, I had I had a man get in my face, you know, mm-hmm. and um, out of nowhere, just spontaneous burst of burst of of violence, mm-hmm. right? Well, not not like not you know, but just, just anger, intensity, just, just real intensity, um, mm-hmm. come at me, and and in the he he comes charging at me like a bull, and I was just like, okay, like. You know, I, there wasn't any fear like, whoa, oh, no, get back. It was, it was just like, no, I can actually stand here in myself. And if he's going to, if he's going to rage at me, like at my face, like, yeah, okay, he swings at me, I'll be fine. But I remember being very clear 
and present to stepping into that liminal space. Like I remember the thoughts in my mind, like what's actually going to happen in this moment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and nothing ended up, ended up happening. And I just, you know, walked away and, and, uh, and, and went somewhere else. And, and, but that's, that's a moment of like being able to hold tension, the mm -hmm. tension of this man's, um, of this man's anger, the tension of like my own, my own, uh, fear, my own, you know, mm -hmm. okay, do, do I actually have to be prepared to act in this moment? And, and to be able to hold that, to be able to hold that tension, the situation mm -hmm. was resolved fine and it was, and it was all good, but you know, versus like turning and running the other way or having an emotional an angry outburst or swinging at him or like provoking mm -hmm. him or all that stuff, you know, the ability to live, um, the ability to live in that moment of tension is so fundamentally masculine and you can only do it when you're internally resourced because <laughs> mm -hmm. you're not going to find the resources to do that outside yourself, right? Because yep. when everything shifts, where are you going to go? You're going to mm -hmm. have the only place you can go in, is inside and you have to find mm -hmm. firm footing within yourself to be able to do that. Right. And the thing that you're talking about, and this is uh, the whole idea of, remember how I was talking about those moments of tension is the void, the liminal Ooh, space, yeah, the void, yeah. right? Yep. It's that, that space of, and the, the one, the word that you're talking about there of the void is the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. How's this going to play out? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the thing is, every time you go, you embrace that void, you embrace that moment, you live in the tension. Every time you do that, whether it's a little thing or a big thing, it's like something in you grows and that thing is confidence. Hmm. And so the con confidence, the confidence says two things. I'm okay. And I got this. Hmm. Right. And so that moment that so happened, fantastic. Well, that, you do have a very good mind. <laughs> well, that, that moment that that happened, here you are, you know, at now you can go, I got this. Mm -hmm. I can handle when some guy gets in my face. Yeah. You know, even you're, you're kind of going, I can handle a number of things if, mm -hmm. if this happened, but the way it turned out, I got this. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to, uh, you know, um, there's a million different things that happen to us, but every time that I go through something, I go through that liminal phase, the, uh, phase the liminal space mm -hmm, i go the through void. the void i embrace it i stand in it i stay in the tension i learn something about myself mm -hmm. and usually it is i'm not so damn fragile and <laughs> i can handle just about anything that comes along mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i got some confidence yeah. because i have and yeah. over my life i've handled this 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 and this that man i can handle just about anything mm-hmm mm-hmm and this and, shows and, up in, sorry, go ahead. No, please. Well, and this shows up in so many different ways of men on the other side, avoiding the void. Mm -hmm. I think, as you said earlier, mm -hmm. it's like, no, I'm going to avoid the void with video games uh, or porn or alcohol mm -hmm. or whatever. Like there are so many things, there's so many things in our lives, our whole to-do list, depending on how you look at it, could be a call forward into the vibe and the void, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, I, I'm, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to do this thing. I don't know how to edit you know, uh, reels on Instagram, like you're getting called forth into the void. Are you going to do mm -hmm. edit the reels on Instagram or whatever the thing happens to be? And mm -hmm. that's its own, that's its own form of initiation and being able to step into that tension of, okay, I'm, I made a mistake, but I'm not a mistake in trying the new things. And like, trying, all, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Trying the new thing, being able to do it. Cause you know, the whole thing of, if you're, if you're able to make mistakes, if you're able to try new things, then you're going to, you're going to be able to learn. You never learn if you just sit back and, and you're, you're, you're hitting it really well when you say what men will do to avoid is silence, mm. um, or video games mm -hmm. or some distraction, something that's going to just keep me away from it. 
it's not yeah. just video games. It, it'd be, you know, reading my Twitter feed or it'd alcohol be, porn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tons anything. of different things. It could even be exercising. Yes. It, you know, it could be a million different things. It's going to distract me from having to take care of what the heck's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, resolving my own inner conflicts, even taking time to listen to myself and checking in the whole thing of checking in what's going on with me right now. It's scary. It scares so many guys because mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have awareness of it. Mm-hmm. And so this, everything you're talking about right there is, is spot on. Mm. So one of the things that I wanted to go back to with regard to shame and apologizing and saying to someone I was wrong, mm-hmm. um, I made a mistake and not I am a mistake, is, is this notion of, um, of, of justice, that we have a sense that when we apologize for, for being wrong with someone that, that we mm-hmm. will experience some kind of justice mm-hmm. and that it might, it might be bad. Like we might have to apologize for being wrong. And in that moment of admitting that we're wrong, we, we, ex- we open up ourselves to the possibility uh-huh. of justice. But on the other side of that, I think what I've experienced most of the time is a word that we don't say very often in our culture, very often, which is mercy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's this fear that the righteous hand of justice will come down, and sometimes it does. But that there's also in, in a true confession, and this is this is Christianity, this is Christ, this mm-hmm. is God, in a true confession and true repentance, we find mercy. And mm-hmm. it's almost like men don't necessarily people probably don't necessarily know like no that's a thing because we don't ever say the word mercy anymore we're so hung up on justice that that the experience of mercy is not something that we're familiar with and we've never received it in our lives mm-hmm. because maybe our dads or our friends or mm-hmm. our school were we're not merciful because they don't have that move and i'll take it a, a step further um, excellent <laughs> no, the whole the whole thing you might have heard somebody say this uh mercy is not getting what you do deserve Oh, I haven't heard that. I like that. Okay. So yeah. it's not getting Oof. what you do deserve. Yeah. Like if I confess something, I deserve some kind of punishment. Yeah. Right. But mercy is I'm not going to punish you for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think good people, um, you will like if you confess something, a good loving individual would give you mercy. Yes. And and that's what I'm saying. It would it would do something to repair the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's a really significant thing, but it's all this whole thing re- revolves around the word deserve, right? Mm. And deserving. And so the other word that I wanted to take it up a, a notch is the whole thing of, of grace. Cause mm. if mercy is not getting what I do deserve, mm-hmm. grace is getting what I don't deserve. Mm. And so great grace is the oh. whole thing. Grace. <laughs> Ken Curry ruining my mind. <laughs> Ken has no. a very good mind. Will doesn't have a mind anymore. <laughs> so the whole idea of grace is when somebody gives me a gift of relationship, right? Oh. I don't deserve it. I uh-huh. just made a mistake. I don't deserve your love, your respect. But here's the thing. Will, you're kind of saying that most of us are afraid of, of justice, of, yeah. of not getting mercy. But the thing is, like I said, in my men's group, when men speak and they say, this is the mistake I've made, or they open up and say, this is the, 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 my, my shame. This is the things that messed up my life. This is where I turned awry. This is where Mm. I, you know, I made my mistakes or whatever. And, and the thing is everybody who is listening in, it's like, who are there in the room, it's like, they respect you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's an, it's, 
it's less likely that people would be judgmental and just and 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 demand justice than giving grace and mercy. Mm. And because most mm-hmm. people are really good, mm, but guess yeah. what? There are really bad people out there. There are, and and that's the thing is. Don't open yourself up to people who are horrible that are going to judge you and, and demand justice. It's like, well, that's some, not. Some, some of us don't have that choice, though. Like some of us had, had parents, fathers, mothers. It is true. It is know? true. Mm-hmm. But the, that's where so many people, as they navigate dealing with their family of origin, is I cannot be as open with them as I, as I used to be. I just yes. can't. And, yes. and that's the thing. And this is wisdom is I have to be able to discern who is a safe person, who is an unsafe person. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying most people really want to create safety. Most people want to be able to do that. But there are a lot of people out there who just want to, they just want to destroy you. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I'm not going to open up to. Now, Will, one of the things you've talked about is the whole thing of emotional availability. I think mm-hmm. that's accessibility, availability. How emotional, do you say it? Emotional accessibility. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as a substitute we, for the word vulnerable. Exactly, because, and we've yeah. talked. Yeah, we've talked about that because I've used the word vulnerable, and and I do really enjoy the whole thing of emotional accessibility. But even mm. even what we're talking about, remember, emotion is just a little part of my internal resource. Mm-hmm. What if I'm accessible to my whole internal process, right? But here's a, here's my point that I wanted to make with that it was the whole thing of I I see that my emotional accessibility as a um, a, uh, a a currency, like a hundred bucks in my wallet. How am I mm. going to spend this? Mm-hmm. Am I going to spend this with somebody who it's unwise to spend my emotional accessibility? It's like, no, no, I want to give that. And I want to save that for people who are, are beloved to me. I want to mm-hmm. save that for the people who I really want. And I'm not going to spend that currency willy nilly, mm. but that's that to your point of what you've talked about before is the culture wants a man to spend that currency willy nilly and give mm. it away all the time. Yes. But it's like, on demand. No, exactly. They yeah. demand us to be open like that. No, the way that I do emotion, man, this thing is guarded. Yes. Almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And I am only going to speak to few people. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. My emotional process that I'm going to, I'm going to share that with just very few people in my life. My wife, my kids, I, I had dinner with my two sons last night and it was, it was all of us talking this way. We mm-hmm. were, we were doing, we were spending our stinking emotional currency like, like crazy mm. because that's where we all want to spend it. And after we're done with it, we need to do this more mm-hmm. because that's what men do. Yes. Right. And, mm-hmm. but I'm only going to do it with a few people. Yes. So yes. this kind of, so that, that whole idea of the, of, um, grace and mercy is I want to surround myself with people who are of grace and mercy. I don't mm. want to be around people who are judgment and justice. Oh, wow. Right. Yes. And that's yes. my choice. And when I surround myself with people of grace and mercy, man, is my life totally different mm-hmm. than if I, and so I need to have boundaries. I need to put up walls. I need to be a fort. I need the whole idea of fortitude is a giant thing for men. And I'm going to build a stinking castle wall to keep those people out of my life. Mm-hmm. But inside my castle wall are the people that I really want to be in here. Mm-hmm. 
because that's in me. This is this is my internal process. Imagine I have this massive wall around me, and there's I let some people in, mm-hmm. and I don't let some people in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really big part of this. Um, gosh, let me go back to the, what I'd said about the whole. Remember, mercy. Go for it. it. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. Yeah. Grace is not getting what I or getting what I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And when I said the the key word there is deserve. Right. Right. And the whole thing is pretty much what grace does and mercy does is throw the word deserve out the window. Yes. Okay. It's just yeah. like it now becomes it's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. It's not about what I deserve. It's not about what I don't deserve. I'm receiving the abundance of those things. I'm not getting the penalty and I'm not and I am getting abundance. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, and that's what grace is all about. Grace mm. and abundance are the same thing. Mm. It's pretty much I'm, these beautiful, wonderful things are being bestowed upon me, mm-hmm. and I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. What did uh, your friend Alison Armstrong, I think mm. she talked about deserve. She goes, uh, men have the equation, uh, what I did right minus what I did wrong equals what I deserve. Mm. And get, okay. guess what that always ends up? Nothing. Minus zero. Right, <laughs> yes, it's less than, it is less than zero. <laughs> yeah, it is not only nothing; it's less than zero. <laughs> yeah, right. So if we live if and if we live in a deserve equation, it's like um, we will get less than zero. Yeah, and so we yeah. cannot live by deserve at yeah. all. That just cannot be our equation at all. Mm-hmm. And so we mm-hmm. got to be able to throw deserve out the window and begin to live with grace and mercy and abundance. And just accept the beautiful things. And that's where gratitude comes in, in in life of just having a totally different mindset of just ex- exploring and experiencing the most beautiful things you can. Mm. This is so great. Okay. So this and that, idea. That, no, let me, go ahead. Sorry. No, please keep going. Sorry. And okay. that that's the that's the word that I use for that is thriving. And I used that earlier. Okay. Yes. Right? So Make that's how I got, it, got it. That's how I'm gonna thrive. Yeah. Right is by living, um, by accepting abundance, pursuing abundance, and having a more abundant mentality. Because mm-hmm. the, the opposite of abundance, you've heard this, it's the scarcity mindset. Yes. Right? Abundance is there's, there's enough. There's plenty. Mm-hmm. The scarcity mindset is there's never enough. Mm-hmm. And living in a scarcity mindset is the same thing as I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. There's never enough. I Every it's out. It's all externally referenced. It's all that stuff out there needs to um, fulfill and make me whole. Mm-hmm. And there's and guess what? There's never going to be enough to make you whole if you're looking mm-hmm. from the outside. Mm-hmm. The only place you're going to find the ability to become whole and complete is internal with your relationship with God. That's mm-hmm. it. You can never find it from anything that's external. Not your big pickup truck. Not your big dick. Not your big wallet. Not your big notch count. None of that stuff is going to complete anything within you. Mm-hmm. It's all about who am I and being able to defeat that idea of shame. But that's where scarcity, that's what it's never enough. Mm-hmm. So living with abundance is the wholeness of being able to move toward thriving and being whole and complete. Me plus nothing equals acceptance. This is, this is why elders matter. Because everything that you're saying right now, said from a 35-year-old man, very different. Hmm. Equally true. But when you talk about being fortified, 
there's the difference between a man who's, who's lived for 35 years and been able to say fortify his castle. Mm-hmm. And many men can do a great job in that time. Mm-hmm. But to have lived 60 years or more and to have fortified a castle is a very different castle because that castle involves 40 years of marriage with a wife, mm-hmm. kids, grandkids, five different versions of yourself, I think you said, <laughs> right? You know, from being, from, from being a young punk, from going through several different life transitions through mm-hmm. cancer, a stroke, a loss of your own father, mm-hmm. you know, like a 35-year-old man can realistically only, exper- can, can only experience some of those. And if mm-hmm. a, man, a 35-year-old man who's I mean, leaving aside kids and grandkids, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, a 35-year-old man who experiences so many different life changes, who experiences cancer, the loss of his own father, like that's a, that's a pretty burdened man. But over the course of, a much longer, uh, course of a much longer lifetime, men have the opportunity to learn so much about life. And so when you talk about fortification, when you talk about grace and mercy and abundance and thriving and shame, it's from a position of lived experience. And this is what you mean about the voice. This is what, mm-hmm. this is what you have earned. In living the life that you have to be able to speak these things. And I think I can, I'll speak for myself and say, this impacts me, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. You know, like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to this many times <laughs> over. No, really, because the ideas that are swimming around in here are so fundamentally important, beginning with shame and with redemption and salvation and mm. forgiveness and mercy and justice. Like, you can't read these read enough books to really get these ideas and, and you have to live them. And this is this is exactly why we need elders. Exactly why men need elders to teach us this. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's gosh, it's sad that we don't have elders. Yes. It is a rare rare thing. Mm-hmm. There are a few guys out there, amazing guys out there. It's just there's not enough Mm-hmm. And my hope would be that as the young men start growing up, that in 10, 20, 40 years, that we start seeing men having a voice, men speaking into the younger men's lives, and, and that it would just be a tidal wave where it would come back to where we would have the sages mm-hmm. and men wouldn't retire. Because that, that is the, probably one of the biggest, I almost said biggest shame. I th- maybe that's part of our whole manhood thing. One of our biggest yeah. shame is men retire. Yes. And that is the biggest, that is the biggest loss that I think everybody has experienced mm-hmm. is men retiring and watching baseball on TV. Being disposed of. And just kind of, I'm done. Rather than yeah. going, man, I have a hell of a lot to offer. I have mm-hmm. a massive amount of influence. I have a massive amount of wisdom. Just going to coffee with men drinking a beer here and there and playing with my kids, my grandkids, whatever. It's like reading to kids at the grade school. Who knows what it is, mm-hmm. but just being present. That was a, Will, we haven't even talked about that. And someday maybe we will, but I talked about voice, but the second one I was saying was presence mm-hmm. and, and presence is literally just being there, mm-hmm. you know? There's so many things that just being there, and I don't even have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Being there in the tension, being there in the moment, being there in the experience. Um, but you, every one of us know what it's like to, we're physically there, but we are not there. Yes. We're either distracted or we're, I'm trying to think of the word where we're just, we're somewhere else. 
absent Ab- absent out. is the word yeah. yep yeah. where we're just we're not there we're not engaged with our own life with my own self let alone with other people that i'm with mm-hmm. and like i said that's a that's a category of hell mm-hmm. it is not a good experience let's, anyway i mean let's presence. talk about it. Let's talk about it. I mean, I don't have anywhere to be, but right here, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll take up as much time as you give me. You know? Actually, I was thinking, Will, I'm, I'm kind of feeling spent a little. Okay. Fair. But let's talk a little bit about presence. Okay. Um, and then let's call it. All right. Okay. So the, the idea of presence, um, um, gosh, and the, the reason why I think these two words are so powerful to me is because I think they're two really godly words. Mm. They're godly. Godly meaning that they're like God. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is how God operates. Um, and you think about with the voice, you think about, uh, his word, right? His word is his voice. This is him speaking. And, and so the word like Jesus is the word coming mm-hmm. from God. Um, the Bible is God's word. Um, and, and so his God's voice is a really, really powerful part of who God is. Mm-hmm. The second thing in the scriptures, you'll, you'll see this, the presence of God is equally as powerful and it's like he's just there he's not doing anything he's not saying anything he's just there mm-hmm. and you think about moses and the burning bush you know the presence of god was represented with uh, by a burning bush but it was like this is freaking holy ground mm-hmm. you know freaking should i say freaking because that's a it's fine it's fine it's like this is holy ground this is the mm-hmm. moment where you would take your shoes off Mm-hmm. Because the power of God exists because of his presence. Mm-hmm. And so here I am saying something very similar. I'm saying that men made in the image of God have these two categories equally as powerful as God. Mm-hmm. Because when we use our voice in a significant way, and remember, Adam was present, but he didn't use his voice in that moment we were talking about earlier. But the whole idea of a man being present in a moment, I am here, I am here now, I am with you, I am, I exist. The whole thing of, uh, gosh, this is what women need. Mm. Women mm-hmm. need a man who is present. I mean, you, you go to the whole thing of like, uh, what is it, the, um, do you need consolation or consultation or fact or feeling? You know, the whole mm. thing of uh, fix, fix or feeling, right? Wow, the, wow. I've never heard that before. Those are great. Well, this is a, the category when a when a woman presents you with a problem. Yeah. You know, does she want a consolation? Just be here with me, or a consultation? Fix it. Right. Yeah. Yes, that I know. But those those distinctions, those word distinctions, are fantastic. So the the category of what does a woman need? She yeah. doesn't need you to fix it. She mm. needs you to be there with her. Yes. And being there with her is presence. And the presence is what is powerful and the presence is what she needs and the Mm -hmm. presence creates security. And and that's a really significant thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other category is like with your kids. I mean, think about how many of us would, when we talk about our fathers would use the word absent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was there, but he was watching TV Yeah, or he was there, but he wasn't really there. You know, or he wasn't really there. He <laughs> right. was off working too much or he doing his own thing or whatever. Right. Um, and presence as a father is like, in, in, it, you just got to be there. 
It's just you, because here's the thing. Now, here that's another category on this. Men, fathers, we think the biggest thing I got to do is provide, right? Mm -hmm. I got to provide shelter. I got to provide clothes. I got to provide food. Yes, Mm -hmm. totally true. Yeah, but it is. It's a big thing, and it's and it's totally valuable. You have to do that. That is Mm -hmm. not not. But I think there's something even more valuable that a man, as a father would provide and that is himself Hmm. being present being there is being there and playing wrestling talking you know joking around doing something just being there and and the pre and the thing i'm saying is the pressure's off i don't have to fix it with my woman i can just be there and listen to her i don't have to say anything with my kids or or it's just, I just got to be there, help with homework, toss a ball around, you know, just be there. Yeah. Presence is a really, really powerful thing. And it's not just physical. Remember the whole thing of it's all my internal resources. I'm giving you my heart. I'm yeah. giving you my soul. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you my strength. That's what it means to be present. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And, and, and I think so many children have said, and I've read, it's like, you know, we didn't have a lot growing up, but my dad was there. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't right. use the word presence, but there is something to that. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't have a great life. We didn't have a comfortable life, but like my father was there. My yeah. mother was there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that means more to kids than having so much prosperity because so many fathers do get caught up in the Ex- provide kind of thing. Right. And yep, exactly. they're, they're absent. Right. They may provide yep. a great life for their kids, but you know, but but they're not there. They're not mm-hmm. there, and that's Robert Bly, right? You know, the the father, the love unit that was most damaged by the Industrial Revolution has been the father son bond. Yeah, yeah. The father no longer being present, whether he's whether he's working in the factory, or working in the office, you know, he's or working in the in the shop, he's not present, yeah. and that's more than yep. a quality of, of physicality. That's a, a quality of internal resourced. Being there yep. in the moment with yeah. Yeah, being present, yeah, being there, being, and this comes back to your whole concept of openness. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm available. I am available to you in my whole being because you are one of those people that are inside my fort. Yeah, group of you. <laughs> it's like I can't get you to leave. <laughs> you are in in you are in my inner circle, and I am giving you my whole being. Yeah. And I'm not giving that to everybody mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is, there is one, one more thing that I want to say, cause it's going to burn me up unless, unless I say it is that, you know, we were talking about grace and we were talking about shame and we we're talking about, you know, what's moved in us heart and what isn't moved in mm-hmm. us soul. Mm-hmm. And there's a component and accountability and responsibility. And there's a, there's a point at which, you know, unless a man really takes takes accountability steps up and says i was wrong and steps into that space mm-hmm. he will never be able to discover grace mercy or grace mm-hmm. he'll never and, yep. and he, like until you until mm-hmm. you learn to say i'm wrong you never can discover mercy you can never discover grace and i wonder if you can ever really ever discover god if you're if you mm-hmm. can't discover mercy or grace mm-hmm. because those are the things once you like wow i received something i didn't deserve it, maybe there's something more to life than justice, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. 
dude, man, that's why it is such a gift. That's why, yep, it is a gift. Jesus is a gift. What he has done for us was a gift. We do not deserve it at all. Mm-hmm. One bit. And that's the thing. And that's, it's just not, it's just not that. It's like life is a gift. <laughs> Yeah. A hug is a gift. This conversation is a gift. Yeah. It's like my anniversary was a gift. <laughs> it's like spending time with my sons yesterday was a gift. Yeah. And it's like, man, there's there's just like so many gifts that we are given. And seeing life as a gift, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's yeah. just seeing everything as a gift, is gratitude, is is the grace, it's the abundance. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope you can see it, but I'm very moved by this conversation. You know, there have been other conversations that I've had in the past, other <laughs> podcasts, where I've been very moved at the end, and I haven't, I, I haven't, uh, haven't been able to show it. You know, well, didn't know how your, be... <laughs> now your heart's being moved, baby. Yeah, for sure, very much so, very much so. so thank you for the gift of this conversation, Ken. This has um, exceeded my wildest expectations, and they were already like, "This is going to be amazing." So, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm happy where we went with it. And there's like always more stuff we could talk about, but <laughs> yes. so good. So good, yeah. Will. I appreciate the opportunity. Um the my my website, solidman.com. Um I got yeah, tons of op- options on there. But if anybody has any questions or anything, feel free to to log on to that and I'll get back with them for sure. Thank you so yeah. much, Ken. Thank you for the gift of this conversation. You bet, Will. It was definitely a gift. Amen. Much appreciated. episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.